This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. everyone and welcome to the Young Lioncast, your fortnightly audio source of all things New Japan Pro Wrestling right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host Rob Goodin and I am joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. How are you Chris? Still not used to this intro. Trying to be more professional Chris. Yeah, I get that, but also that's not really the air I go. I personally go for. <laughs> I think that's made clear in every podcast we do, bud. Like, my, my vision for the podcast and your... Like, when we interviewed Simon Miller, you were like, Chris, you need to tell me the questions you're going to ask beforehand because I don't trust you. Yeah, basically what happens, ladies and gentlemen, is before we come on air, there is 10 minutes of me telling Chris what he can and can't say. Um, which I think is for the best. But quite often ignored, let's be fair. Oh, 100%. Um, so just before we get into what this podcast is actually about, Chris, I have an interesting story. Um, I told you that part of the reason, well, I'll tell you the sole reason that I was late to come onto this podcast was because I was making extensive notes. And whilst that is half true, I discovered today, whilst I was in the shower, that I'd forgotten <laughs> how to open my shower door. Let that well, sink in for a moment. How hard can it be? Right. Well, there's three ways it can open: inwards, outwards, or sideways. Correct. That is absolutely one hundred percent correct. Now let me let me walk you through a shower with Rob. Um, what happens is, Chris, I will get completely naked, as is the norm. Yeah. No, the shower, you wear shower pants for the man who has nothing to hide, but still wants to. <laughs> um, I got into the shower and I get in with my phone because I'll be searching for music to play whilst I'm in the shower. And you usually... <laughs> it does drive my girlfriend absolutely insane. Um, however, I was searching for music and obviously completely subconsciously you know how to do things so i open the shower door and it dawned on me because the handle to our shower door is in the middle of the door and you pull it and it pulls the door inwards so it's two bifolding doors and you pull it it pulls inwards and the door obviously opens and you put your phone on the sink and you rave to whatever you're listening to billy talent for anyone that gives a shit now today was the first time that i have actually consciously thought about how I was opening the door and I went to the right hand side of the door and there was nothing there to grab and I was pulling it and the door wasn't moving and rather like a rather than like a rational human being would think well clearly I'm doing this wrong I panicked instantly thinking I'm going to die in here and started wrenching at the door until I realized that I was pulling the wrong bit I have in fact cracked the shower glass how are you, mate? This is a bad story. a proper Chris story. Like, that sounds like a story I'd go on at the start of the podcast. 
And you know what? It is just that fucking ridiculous that it has to be true. You know, you know, it's quite. It's one of those weird things where, like, sometimes when you're standing, you think, "How am I standing?" And when you forget how to stand. Or more alarmingly, it's when you drive a route to wherever you're going so often that you will eventually just snap into, "How the fuck did I get here?" I once um, felt the tongue in my mouth and screamed because I didn't had never thought about <laughs> your tongue. Yeah, I was like, my tongue was like, ah, ah! Oh my god! <laughs> what the fuck is this? Oh, right. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, completely... Com- we said that we were going to keep this podcast concise. I think that's that pretty much shows you that we're not. Um, what we're aiming... What we're aiming for, sorry, I've just swallowed. See, I can't even fucking swallow when I consciously think about it. Oh, fuck's sake. Anyway, what we're going to do today, ladies and gentlemen, is we are going to give you a rundown of New Japan's year. New Japan in review, and we're going to start all the way back in January 2019 and work our way through to Tag League and sort of pick up things that we agreed with, pick up things that often, when it comes to award season, are forgotten because they were right at the start of the year. We'll also be picking up some things that we think New Japan didn't necessarily do very well, some issues, and basically talk through what a year it's been in 2019. Before we do that, though, Chris, I have got a couple of bits of news. The first one, not really New Japan related, but you'll see why. I've brought it up in a moment. The first is that WWE have announced that both Harper and Sinkara have been released along with the tag team, The Ascension. Just quickly, Chris, you don't have to embellish if you don't want to. Do you see any of those, particularly Harper or Sinkara, do you see either of those appearing in New Japan? Harper, maybe. New Japan does need more big guys. Like basically, all they have right now is Farley and um, Archer. But also in the case of Harper, he's not as special. As shitty as it sounds, he's not as special as he was three or four years ago. Like, we have a lot of Luke Harper types around now. Yeah, brawler types. Yeah, yeah, like big, like big guys who can, like, go. Like, look at the Elgin... Oh, shit, I'm still learning the name. The Elgin match from the last, from the Sumo Hall Noah show. Yeah. And it's sort of like, those, those kind of um, big men who can move fast but don't necessarily do anything. But the Diamond doesn't nowadays. And a lot of people do well. I don't, maybe, but also I don't. Like, you generally don't know. Like, if you if you'd have told me that Moxley was going to New Japan, I wouldn't believe you in a million years. So. No, and that's something I want to talk about when we get to the G1 because I was slightly apprehensive when Moxley was um, announced for the G1 because obviously my only exposure to Dean Ambrose as he was then was in the WWE and he, thank God, proved me wrong because he had two instant classics in the G1 along with you know a host of good matches. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I can't see New Japan looking at Sin Cara, to be perfectly honest, the only time I can really see him going into New Japan is during perhaps a Fantastic Mania tour or something like that. Um, Harper, I think personally, and we discussed this in the group chat, I personally think he is more of a fit for something, maybe say an impact. Yeah, maybe. But again, impact is basically ruled by big men right now. So like, if he went in, like, would he really stand out among like Moose, Killer Cross, Elgin, and um, Cage? I would love to see Elgin versus Harper. So would I. But maybe if Harper went to Noah. 
Maybe, maybe. I mean, uh, Harper in New Old Japan, maybe. Harper in Old Japan would be. How many giant? I I'm generally quite ignorant of the Old Japan product because I've only watched a few shows. Like, how many? There's Zeus. I know that, but apart from that, and Joe Doling. But apart from that, I don't can't think of any giants. I mean, you have a tag team called the Violent Giants. I got above a Violent Giants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got Suwama and Ishikawa. They're both enormous. Uh, you've got. Than a giant, though. Like, yeah, true. He's more wide than he is tall. True, and that goes for strong BJ as well. Both Sakamoto yeah. and Okabayashi are both very, very wide. So, yeah, so I, I don't know. Um, the Ascension are basically dead at what they're doomed to life or form a WWE star. Yeah, and it's a real shame because, especially at the start of NXT, they, they were a good tag team. Earlier this year, when we covered, um, when I went over the old takeovers, it's the Ascension run. It's like, we don't get dominant tag teams like that anymore. And it's a real shame. It is, you're right. It is. It is a shame. But, you know, there's not a lot else you can uh, you can say about that. Hello, my girlfriend has just walked in. Hello, Kirsty. How are you? She's putting a thumb up to me with a secret thought of, you're such a fucking dork. You are a fucking dork. Thanks, Chris. Know. I appreciate that. She's laughing now and pretending that she doesn't hate everything I stand for. Um, she's just she's also just realized, sorry Chris, I've al- I've already told you about my absolute fiasco in the shower today, um which I will tell you later Kirsty. Um I am also currently wearing a hoodie with his own face on it. What? Uh basically for those who didn't quite pick that up, uh, I am currently wearing a hoodie with my own face on it. <laughs> Fucking mad. I am nothing if not a mark for myself. Either of you have the context of this? There's no context. I'm wearing a hoodie with my own face on it. But why? No, um, it was it was a graduation pre- a joke graduation present from my mum. Uh, it was a cheaply made hoodie with series of pictures of my own face on it. But in a weird turn of events, it is the best fitting hoodie I own. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, Going back to all Japan, just very, very quickly, Chris. um, I recently watched a little bit more of their real-world tag league shows, and particularly the final, and I highly, highly, highly recommend the Nomura Jake Lee versus um, Next Stream tag team match and the final uh, between the Violent Giants and Jake Lee and Nomura. Both matches are absolutely insane. And to be honest, actually make you realise how much of a joke the New Japan Tag Division and their Tag League have been this year. Oddly enough, I was thinking this when I was watching the Stardom Tag League, where I was like, I don't feel like I'm watching a Tag League. I just feel like I'm watching like something I want to watch. No, like, New- I agree. New Japan like, ruined the idea of a Tag League for me. When in reality, like put on a great tag match on a card and it's probably the best match on the card. Absolutely. So, um, and I was watching it going, even like the comedy shit, like with um, Natsu Sumire and Session Moth, I was like, this is actually like funny. And because the way Stardom do it, they don't like just dedicate everything to it. So there's a bunch of tag matches and Stardom shows anyway. So like say it happened on their big Coracanal show. The tag league isn't focused. They put tag league matches on the undercard while having like Mayo versus Priestley on the top. So like it just naturally integrates into the product. Whereas New Japan, it just makes you want to skip yeah, it's weird. I, next year, Rob, if we're still doing the in line, we should definitely just review the All Japan Tag League for a month. 
I agree. And final thing, I was in the gym today and um, I was watching while I was on the treadmill the tag match between, again, Violent Giants and Strong BJ from the Dream Power series in March. And it is fucking great. It is such... It's just two host teams literally just pounding seven shades of shit out of each other, which is exactly what I want from my tag team. Yeah, to be fair, you really hyped up Axis, and I was really disappointed from the show I watched. You need... To, did you get that link I sent you that was the... Yeah, I, I did, but also, like, I didn't want to watch a three-hour link on my phone, man. I can't be bothered to turn off. Can you send it to me over Facebook, please? It's the um, it's the final match, and um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Anyway, we've already got a little bit sad. That was the first bit of news. The second bit of news and the final bit of news before we get into the main meat of our podcast, Mirror, is that the New Japan Pro Wrestling of America uh, Twitter has announced that they have their first shows of 2020, the New Beginning USA, and it's going to hit five cities in nine days. So the announced dates and cities are January the 24th in Tampa, Florida, January the 26th in Nashville, Tennessee, January 27th in Raleigh, North Carolina, January the 30th in Miami, Florida, and February the 1st in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Not a lot else has been announced. I'm reserving judgment until I see what kind of roster is announced, what kind of people are going to this and what kind of arenas they announce, you know, what kind of seating and, you know, what kind of title are we going to have? Or is this going to eventually lead to perhaps IWGP United States tag team titles? Is this going to be a secondary title? Is this going to be only the American stuff or are we going to have Japanese stuff defended on the American shows? I'm, I'm reserving judgment. It's just an announcement. Anything to add, Chris? Um, they put it in a good spot where there's like, um, it's around the time of Fantastic Mania, so there's not a ton going up on um, the streaming service that people really give a shit about, so it's like a good way to pad it out. But mm. uh, like they've picked their spot pretty well, but also, yeah, cause until we see like a roster and their plans, we can't really say anything. Like mm. the fact that they're keeping it quiet sort of worries me about that. Yeah, I mean they've hit two different cities uh, that they haven't hit before in Tampa and Miami, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of market that is for New Japan of America. Um, to be honest, ladies and gentlemen, I am just going to say right now, um, I know that there has been interviews regarding New Japan of America and that there is probably going to be a series of small shows and there may be two big shows. Um, with everything that we look at as wrestling fans and as people who do a podcast, we simply will not have time to do New Japan of America and the New Japan product that we watch on a weekly basis. So what we will probably end up doing is those two big shows we might review but everything else, we might just reference the results. I, I don't think we'll be looking there's at that. Much, there's way too much good wrestling. <laughs> there is. I mean, me and Chris have spent the last, what, four days looking at Noah and All Japan, and I'm now completely hooked, probably because it was a good world tag, real world tag league, but I'm hooked on All Japan at the moment. I know that you really enjoyed the Noah show from the 2nd oh. of November. I don't see... We talked about Yoshida Kaito last week. I don't think you, like... I sort of get he's a bit baby faced, but like I don't I think he comes off as a good champion. Yeah, he does, and again, this is something that we can talk about. I'm sure oh, when there is. Isn't... Yeah, um, um, Kyle did um, impress me more than Kaito. Yeah, 
yeah. And again, we'll we'll probably have discussions about this when we haven't got literally four pages of Rob detailed notes to plow through on this podcast. So let's kick off then with Wrestle Kingdom. But before we do, news that broke before Wrestle Kingdom and something that put New Japan perhaps in a little bit of a shadow was the news of AEW, the new American company formed by Cody and the Bucks, um, All Elite Wrestling. Chris, do you think this put Wrestle Kingdom 13 under a bit of a cloud? Not in terms of my enjoyment, maybe in terms of everyone else's enjoyment. Because like, if you remember back to my predictions, I thought Kenny was going to stay. So, I forgot really, about that. <laughs> I, I was really, really wrong, wasn't I? Um, but yeah, I think like for a lot of people, especially since half this card have the elite on it, and like I think it was very obvious the next day when there was no elite on the um, New Year's Dash show that yeah, EW sort of purged the roster, you know, it's okay, it's not okay when WWE does it, but when AEW does it, it's suddenly fine. Um, honestly, with AEW, I honestly, now I'm just disgusted at Cody's work. Like, the only stuff he really did for Cody that was really any good was against Kenny, Okada, and Ibushi. Like, the rest of it was just so average that it hurt. You've got to be a fairly poor worker to not have a great match against one of those three, to be honest. Exactly. Exactly, and then like anything else he did was just sort of, eh. So, yeah, like, I'm I'm kind of annoyed now seeing what he can do in AEW when he's like fully motivated, and then in New Japan he was just, yeah, like he's see the G match. Like I get who was injured. Don't don't go on the show if you're injured. Don't go ten minutes if you're injured. Have a quick shock. I made it perfectly clear when we did our Wrestle Kingdom review, which you can find back in the archives, just how disappointed I was with Cody, with his championship reign. And to be honest, the fact that we didn't have someone like Minoru Suzuki on the main card at all, yet Cody, who phoned in a lot of his New Japan run, I think that's that's widely acknowledged. Um, If you look at who's on the fucking undercard, you have Marty, you have... um... Maccabe, you have like Yano, all these people who are here much more than Cody, like against Suzuki, Archer, Davy Boy, Elgin, um, Baratta, Goa. Um, like, I'm not being funny, and I'll go to the best never run, he still deserves to be on the main card somewhere. <laughs> 100%, I agree with you. And again, that, that match and the fact that he came out in the Jags colors, um, it, it just it really, really soured me towards Cody in that match. And it's a shame because the crowning of Juice Robinson, again, after that, you know, shit show towards the end of 2018, that crowning should have not taken place under the shadow of, oh, well, Cody's injured and, oh, well, Cody's going and, oh, look, AEW. And I don't think that's fair on Juice. I think um, that's going to be with Juice. His tire reigns have never come without a caveat. So, like, um, he wins against Jay White in what's like a low-key match of the year last year, like if Kenny Omega versus Okada didn't exist. No, I agree. Um, and then, um, but it's like, oh, but he's in the G1 and everyone's beating him. You know, he was in the block with every champion and every champion beat him. Yeah, if uh, if at any point you wanted to see where the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship is on the totem pole, the G1 climax sort of put that very firmly into place. Exactly, and then um, of course he wins here and like, oh, but Cody beat him, and like, he didn't have a long reign. So, I know, I, to be fair, he did. He, but then, like, he lost it to Markley. So. Yeah. Um, moving away then from the elite and all the fiasco that went on there, 
What was your overall opinion of Wrestle Kingdom 13? Great show. Absolutely flew by. It's like, what, a four-hour show? Felt like two hours. Like, felt like an extended takeover in the sense of where everything was at least a seven, with the exception of Juice versus Cody. Um, we have, like, Osprey versus Abushi, which is just... People seem to be disappointed, but like that's mostly because they weren't going a million miles per hour throughout the whole thing, which is confusing to me because the biggest thing with Osprey and Abushi were like, oh, we don't sell. I mean, as soon as they sell, all oh, their matches are slow and plodding. So it's like, like some <laughs> they can't win. Um, but, you know, that match established the Hidden Blade as like a killer, which I like when a movie is established as a killer. Yeah, that was, it was graphic. It's still to this day probably the most savage Hidden Blade. And, um, if you believe rumours that went round that it clean knocked Ibushi out, the fact that Osprey, who at this point still was very firmly a junior heavyweight, that he was managed to deadlift Ibushi into the Stormbreaker is, you know, testament to Osprey's ridiculous strength. Um, you know, there was great matches between Zack Sabre Jr. and Ishii for the Rev Pro title, which I know was Garth's sleeper hit of the night the blood feud between Okada and Jay White came to a fantastic head during that match and then you've got of course Naito versus Jericho uh, the return of the painmaker not that he was the painmaker of that time um you know the no DQ match probably in my opinion his second best match in New Japan I think it's better than the Kenny match personally really interesting yeah I'm not like I we watched the Kenny match recently I'm not as massive on it as it was at the time. It doesn't really hold up to rewatches. That's the thing, though. You you look at Wrestle Kingdom 12, the hype surrounding that match. Think about how many Western eyes were bought onto that show because of that man, the hype surrounding it. That entrance of Jericho still oh, gives me goosebumps now. Really great entrance, but like also I don't I understand there are a lot of eyes, but like, I'm trying to think of an example. Imagine how... It's hard to think of a good example, but like I've been watching this product for a while now, so like it just the, the excitement a lot of people will be feeling if it's been first exposure to New Japan was wasn't there. So like I've been watching it for like what four years to that point. So like I honestly was just looking out to see what um, Jericho was going to do for the product, and in the long term, I honestly don't like Jericho in New Japan because he seems to have no way to start feuds apart from either just randomly turning up on the Titan Tron or randomly attacking people. I mean, why the fuck did he attack evil? <laughs> that is a very good point. Uh, it did lead to a great match. Um, it did a really good match, but also I care as much about story as I do about match quality. No, fair enough. And is that why you thought Naito Jericho from this show was a lot better? Yeah, it was like built up. It was basically this um, revenge thing. And Niles back, so it worked. And also, like, it reunited him with the icy belt, which he sort of started to Nakamura at this point. So, yeah. And um, I really like the story as well in that match that Naito had to resort to using the belt that he'd hated for so many years to actually beat Jericho. Exactly. I love that. It was sort of like the Tai Chi story from the year before where, um, he didn't want the never title, but when he got it and lost it, he he did. Which he desperately wanted it back. So, yeah, I agree. Um, quickly going back on the card, um, White and Okada. This is another low key like feud of the year for me. Is White and Okada because I just love Jay White, man. Your man love of Jay White is is well told, but 
it just he was the Podmain hit breakout star 2018 for our very very prestigious awards. Um, but his year and his storytelling, and we talked we've talked about this many times before. He debuted again at Wrestle Kingdom 12 and had a very in many people's opinions, subpar match against Tanahashi. I don't think it was subpar. I just don't think it had the build that the Omega Jericho match and the Okada Naito match had. Look at look at that feud. It was dead in the water because you debut on the same show you debut Jericho, and then you have it um, follow Jericho. So it's sort of like I'm not being funny. Like many people's that. Like I think if you what I haven't rewatched that match in a bubble. Like if I'm not rewatching now, rewatched it's part of the whole shit. Like if I think if we if we watched if we rewatched it in a bubble, um, we'd be like, yeah, that's a really good Jay White Tanahashi match. I think as well, it's the first Jay White match. We're not, you know, whereas now we know his style, we know that he yeah. is a slow, exactly- methodical, almost cold performer who will literally take apart a limb for an entire match, and you have to watch a Jay White match. You can't be on your phone. You have to watch him. And I don't think people were ready for that. Um, However, here, after the year he'd had, the build he'd had, you know, the G1 he'd had, the the spiraling down of Okada once he'd lost the title and how Jay White figured into that, and then just the culmination of that feud. The only real blood feud on this card, it was... It was perfect story time. And we said at the end of 2018 that Jay White needed a star-making performance to cement him as one of the pillars of New Japan. And this was it for me. No, yeah, exactly. Like, um, this is, like you started a proper running theme of hitting the um, Blade Runner out of other people's finishes, which I love. Yes. Um, it totally eclipsed their G1 match. And you know what was my favourite part? Okada the taking the pants off. Which still to this day, and we are recording this on December the 14th, is still getting little pops, which is just fantastic. I love that the um, G1, G1 Night 1 in um, California where he took it off and people were like, yes! Pants! Um, Take it off! <laughs> Take it off. Take it off. Anyway, um, like, um, also... That um, video that I like Jason made of like it was um, a Japanese pub during the World Cup, but he just green screens um, Okada taking the pants off, and Meltzer <laughs> thought it was real. no, literally Dave Meltzer thought it was real. Oh God, <laughs> which I find hilarious. Amazing, <laughs> and, and like that's, I'm, I'm surprised a man like Jason didn't have that in his bio. Like I tricked Dave Meltzer. Um, but yeah, like even like before we got into the main event, even the undercard here was really good. Like the two tag matches were really well worked. Um, we still had good guy Tamatonga at this point, who was a treasure, and I miss him. It's the first time we saw the Power Rangers gear that the Grills of Destiny insist on wearing. Yeah, the Super Sentai gear. I love it. Um, uh, I agree with you. I think yeah. the junior tag match was was better. It was it was a. It was a nugget of fun. They didn't get a lot of time, but the time they, they got, got, they used well. They got just a shade under seven minutes, and like, I guess, I guess it makes sense. But also, like, I wish, like, because um, Desperado and Kanemaru had quite a long reign, so I wish they sort of had um, a bit more time and maybe a one-on-one because we literally had this match two months before a power struggle. So, yeah, um, 
disappointing matches for me. We've we've talked to death about Juice and Cody. I'm not getting into that again, but something that really disappointed me, and you know this, and you know what's coming, is Ishimori and Kushida for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. Now, I might be completely out of line by saying it disappointed me, but in the build, this was my sleeper hit of the night, and I don't know whether it was because they weren't given enough time or because the type of match they were trying to work didn't fit in that 11 or 12 minute match um, or whether it was because Kushida would be ultimately out of the company. I don't know. Um, it just, it felt a bit flat, Chris. It didn't really gel well, did they? Which is weird because you'd, you'd imagine they would. Um, but it sort of felt more like the start of a trilogy rather than like a blow off. Yeah, and I don't know. I think it was it was almost a certainty that Kushida was dropping the belt. And I don't know whether that took out of it, but I just feel the match that these two should have had should have been quicker and, I don't know, Look better. at the Hiromu. Um, the Hiromu Kushida one from two years ago. Exactly, exactly. And Ishimori is as quick as Hiromu. Yes, he's not as car crash wrestler as Hiromu, but he is as quick, if not quicker, than Hiromu. So it should have gelled a little bit better. But that's that's a personal nitpick. I know there were plenty of people in the internet wrestling community that really enjoyed that match, and that's that's it's fine. match, I got 6 out of 10, which normally denotes a bad match because people are fucking marks. Um, who thinks anything in foot signs is a bad match? But main event, what a match. First time the G1 Climax winner had actually gone on to win the belt. And something that we need to point out that on this show, every belt that was fought for changed hands. And it was the first time that that had ever happened. And you said it before, Chris, it was a hard reset for New Japan. And I think that as much as anything cemented the fact that the elite, including Kenny, were on their way out. This match, though, in a bubble, sent sensational absolutely incredible tanahashi should not be able to go as well as he did in this match after this and possibly one other match he couldn't so well yeah there is that there is that um in the lead up to this the feud wasn't great the feud was a bit stunted and i don't know whether it's because of just their their personal dislike of each other or whether it's because Kenny is so, for lack of a better phrase, Kenny and, you know, on Twitter and all that. I don't know. It just, I don't, the feud leading into it, yeah, is the best way to describe yeah. it, Chris. Um, it was a mix of kayfabe and um, reality without it. Like, they didn't find that perfect mix. No, they didn't, not at all. Um, like you can, you can argue for like wrestling stuff. Tanahashi does it all the time, but yeah, just like this story was told better in the G One with Kota Ibushi um, overcoming, going I don't have Kenny style or Tanahashi style and stuff like that. This wasn't done well here. That being said, though, um, like on TV, it was still built up well, like with that tag match um, in Karakin with Osprey and Ibushi. What an outstanding match! I think it's really good, yeah. Um, but no, like when it comes to actually this match, just Jesus. 39 minutes and 13 seconds. They They've went. gone to Rob after the longest wrestling match of all time. 
I went off what was said on commentary. I'm sure that was what was said off commentary. Maybe I was wrong. I apologize, people. Chris, let it go. Why do you listen to Kevin Kelly's stats? Because this year he has massively improved. I like Kevin Kelly. He's massively improved because he's had Chris Charlton next to him. And in fairness, Gino Gambino. He's really grown on me. Yeah, he. I hated him um, when he turned up. It was doing Super Genius, wasn't it? No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. Was he? I can't no, because wasn't no, it Juice and Chris Charlton? Yeah, oh, yeah. But was, well, it's weird for some like because also Caprice Coleman did it sometimes. Yeah, that <laughs> was very random. And to be fair, to you, when he saw a big movie and he went, oh, my God, it was the best thing. But, like, when he, Gino first turned up, I was like, oh, fuck off. And so, like, I remember I remembered the name. It's because he turned up on a progress show one time um, for Trent Seven's Open Challenge. But, yeah, he's gotten better. Like, he's found his groove. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Hiroshi Tanahashi became the IWGP heavyweight champion. Sorry, very quickly, was the fact that they kept pointing out that Tanahashi's ring gear has a space for the IWGP Championship. This is what makes me love Chris Charlton. With Chris Charlton, there is a backstory and a little tidbit for absolutely fucking everything, and it makes this product so immersive. He's such an unsung hero of New Japan. He's like like a regular fight um, commentator. Like, and he treats it like that. It's like, okay, so this is what else has happened in this building. This is why this um, match has so much importance. Like, he'll pull a story where there's not a story, which I think is a sign of a great commentator. Absolutely. Absolutely. I um, wish they did every talk, and they don't. He's been on most tours recently, towards he, the tail end of the yeah, year. He'll randomly not be on them, and then, like, be replaced by, like, Rocky Romero. And I'm not being funny. I like Rocky as a colour guy. But, like, he's not an analyst. No. An analyst he certainly is not. Um... But I assume, I assume the trio that we are going to get at Wrestle Kingdom is going to be Kevin Kelly, Gino Gambino, and Chris Charlton. And much as I'll miss Don Callis, I think that works, to be perfectly honest. They've been the voice of New Japan for a while. Yeah. Um, I, I do miss Don, though. Oh, yeah, I miss Don. But, you know, we miss Steve Carino as well. So, you know, there is that. Um <laughs> Steve Green was Kevin Kelly's best partner. Super <laughs> We move on then the next day, and we are heading into New Year Dash on the 5th of January. Of course, this is the time when nothing is announced until the day and has usually been New Japan's uh, way of starting off, kickstarting every single storyline heading into the new year. And, of course, over the last few years, we've had Jericho attack Naito. We've had Air J. White turn on Kenny Omega. Uh, even before that, we've had the return of Suzuki-Goon. This year, it was centred around three things, three storylines. The return from injury of Yoshihashi to have the absolute technical masterclass of a year that he has. Um, we've had the setting up of the feud between Suzuki-Goon and LIJ, which we'll circle back to in a moment and get Chris's thoughts on, because I know he loves one particular moment of that match, and the ascension of Jay White. And it was here for me that I realised, holy shit, he's going to win the championship. 
Yeah, it did feel like that, didn't it? Like, um, there's still that little niggle in the back of our heads where it's like, nah, nah, not this soon. Like, we were down for it because we love Jay White. Um, but yeah, I, he didn't get the run he deserved, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that. And the, you're right, there was that nagging doubt like, Tanahashi's really only going to have the belt for a few days? No, it's Tanahashi. And it led to an excellent match at the new beginning in Osaka, which we'll, again, we'll, we'll get to shortly. Want to look at this Suzuki-Goon versus LIJ for you, Chris. And yeah. do you want to talk about that moment? That moment you Mother- love? Taichi. The best in the world. Undisputedly, the most brutal member of Suzuki-Gun. Don't believe me. Go look at that chair shot. <laughs> so you really Please think... Ta- in a stable that includes Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki, and Lance Archer, that Taichi is the most brutal. Yes. He attacks you in our front, including Luck. Um, yeah, very co- just, yeah, I love Taichi, and I was really looking forward to this match. Shame, really. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I was re- this is the match I was most hyped for going into New Beginning. Yeah. So let's head Go into ahead. that New Beginning show then. Um, very quickly. Um, New Year's Dash. Um, I liked how Chucky T got jealous of Trent Beretta's mum. <laughs> yeah, this was in amongst the random, very, very random uh, Chucky T randomly going mental part of uh, part of New Japan, which apparently he's come out in an interview now and said that there was absolutely no, no storyline behind it whatsoever. Gato apparently just approached him and said, what if you went a little bit mental during matches? Yeah, I'm starting to lose faith in Gato as a booker. Like, they're not being funny. Half the decisions he's made this year, if it was made a year in advance, he's not a good booker. <laughs> I disagree with you, but we can get no, on to that very shortly. He, he can't juggle more than two divisions at a time. But those, without, like, the other one suffering. But those two divisions, man, are absolutely insane. But yeah, very quickly before we go into New Beginning, also, um, Fantastic Mania was fun. I watched a fair bit of the top. There was a great match in Corican between the former Sinkara and Voldador Jr. Like, proper, really fun Lucha, fa- Lucha match. I'd recommend it. Go out your way. It's like an 8 out of 10, maybe a 9 out of 10, depending how much you love Lucha. <laughs> fun Lucha things. <laughs> yes. Woo! Um, so, on the lead-up to the new beginning, we obviously had the announcement that Kushida will be leaving and heading off to NXT. Um he did, we'd sort of had our suspicions aroused during that six-man tag match, probably the best match on the New Year Dash show, to be perfectly honest, where he'd fist-bumped Will Ospreay after he'd after the match had finished, and um, he would then announce it, and he'd have his final retirement match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, which was great, Chris. It was really good, like proper like technical stuff, and I kind of miss Kushida now, because NXT are in the process of doing dick all with him. Like, he's like I don't watch NXT every week, but every time I tune in, he's ever doing a squash match or getting beaten by Walter. So, I mean, everyone's been beaten by Walter, apart from Drew McIntyre. Obviously, it's Survivor Series. I'm gonna fucking murder you when we get to Blackpool. Um, <laughs> very, very quick, did you see Walter um, got his shit stolen? So he wrestled an Evolve show in his pants. No, that's amazing. He, like, literally, like, his shit got stolen, including the NXT UK Championship. So he's just wrestled in his underwear. Oh, my God. And Walter in his underwear is just such a terrifying prospect. Exactly. It's, despite the fact he's not, like, in fight gear and, and he's barefoot, it somehow makes him more scary. Jesus Christ, that is fucking horrifying. 
Yeah, it's like imagine if Suzuki turned up half naked. Dear. Um, Speaking we, of new beginning, new beginning. Uh, we head into the new beginning shows then. The first two nights in Sapporo on the second and third of February in the Hokkaido Prefectural Sports Center. Two nights mainly centered around the Suzuki Goon Lij feud. So, looking at night one, the main two matches were two special singles matches between Evil and Zack Saber Jr. Having an Evil versus Zack Saber Jr. match, which I'm never, ever, ever going to complain yeah, about. It's both made up of the fact that we didn't get this at. Um... King of Pro Wrestling. Absolutely. And then Suzuki versus Sanada. And Chris, you preferred the Suzuki and Sanada match? Yeah, I think that's mostly down to style. Like, it was more brutal. Like, honestly, I couldn't tell you why. I just have, when I'm, I was looking through my notebook when I was preparing for this, and it has a highest, like, I gave it an eight and I gave the other one a seven. So, like, I, I must have liked it more. I could not tell you why, but I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a massive mark for both Evil and Zack Sabre Jr. So you know, I I really like their matches. They don't seem to have bad matches, and I think their their styles gel well. And they had a bit of storyline going forward. So yeah, I I personally preferred that match. Um, aside from those two matches, this was a very missable show. And to be perfectly I mean, honest, up with Tiger Mask. Yeah, I mean, to be perfectly honest, these two shows were two of the poorer main shows that New Japan put out. <laughs> Like on the poorer side until we get to um actually no these 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 this isn't even um I was gonna say until we got to Kids in a Row but some decent stuff in Kids in a Row doesn't matter. Yeah, we then added into night two and the Suzuki Universal IJ Few continued. We had the junior tag match uh, with Shingo and Bushi retaining again over Kanemaru and El Desperado. We then oh, had what? and this is Really, really disappointing for me. Um, we had the heavyweight tag match between Evil and Sonata, the current champions, and Zack and Suzuki. Now, our indifference towards the New Japan tag division is well-documented, and I think every New Japan fan's indifference to the tag division is well-renowned. And I think New Japan here, this was the first misstep for me. They had the chance here to put the belts on a new team, which... The heavyweight tag division is crying out for, and we didn't. We defaulted. Evil Sonata won in a fairly unremarkable match, if I'm being perfectly honest. You look at the names in that match, and you expect an absolute barnstorm. It was relatively by the numbers, Chris. Yeah, it wasn't anything near as good as three separate singles matches, and also nowhere near as good as the junior match before, but that's mostly because the junior match before had Shingo, so it's really not fair to... Um... The laughably junior heavyweight Shingo. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, it's, it's like saying Garth 17. Like, it's just not... Just no one's going to believe you. It's such, it's such an amazing lie that you just kind of want to go along with it. We then moved on to the main event, which was the match we built most to during the Dash show, and this was the IC title match between the champion Naito and Tai Chi. Chris, what are your views on this match? I'm glad Isaac is gone, Rob. Um, mostly because I had to listen to you random, have the same rant about him every fucking week. Isaac was um, shit. Yeah, and you, when you did the top five Isaac matches for the website, I don't get you, but... <laughs> Um, so, yeah, basically, Izuka um, destroyed Naito. Taichi went around gathering heat 
for like what felt like 30 minutes. And then they had a really good match, but like for 10 minutes of nothing, sort of destroyed it. I understand that Tai Chi is a heel. I understand the type of heel that Tai Chi is, but even a man as charismatic as Tai Chi is, and you know I've come around to Tai Chi this year. I think it's an absolutely great year. He's been a really undervalued member of um, the roster this year, in my opinion, especially as, well, we'll get on to Wrestle Kingdom 14's announced cards, but the fact that he hasn't got a specific, you know, a special slot on either night is absolutely baffling. That's beside the point. I'm, I'm disgusted. Um, but even a man of night of Tai Chi's charisma can't pull off 10 minutes of riffing. That's It's just not on, especially not like, for an IC title. No, exactly. I have no clue why we did this. Like, in retrospect, it makes no booking sense. Although, um, one thing, I don't know if it was this match or the next big Tai Chi match, but this is when Miyawabi started um, cleaning up after Tai Chi. Oh, she <laughs> is such Tai-Chi. a sweetheart. She is, like, it's unbelievable that those two are together. Not in real life, actually. Apparently, Tai Chi's dating a mass Joshi in real life, which I just is somehow more perfect. But, um, yeah, like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, she, like, he'll make a mess, and she's like, sorry, sorry, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get this away now. One of the like, sweetest things of this year is Lance Archer screaming at Mio Abe and her just cowering against the fence. And she, you're just like, don't scream at Mio, Lance. Like, what? But that's so mean. Um, yeah, because Mia Rabe just sort of completes the Tai Chi character. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, this, these two nights in Sapporo were... They were just road two shows, to be perfectly honest, because there was no chance Naito was going to drop the IC belt to Tai Chi here. Unfortunately, I don't think Tai Chi had been built up enough to be the IC champion at this point. I think the never sort of scene was his scene at that point. Um I just I was but so disappointed this is, with the um, tag match. What I feel this was like if this was booked way in advance, this was meant to be um with Suzuki in the main event and Tai Chi um in the tag match. But then they saw how little chemistry Naito and Suzuki had, so we were just sort of like nah put a pin in that. And we saw that so often in two thousand eighteen as well. We didn't yeah, need to see that again. And it was ever good. No, it wasn't. Absolutely not. And again, you look at the talent, Suzuki and Naito, and the match should be an absolute fucking barnstormer, and it, it, it wasn't. It never was. You're right. I don't get why. They just didn't gel. No, they didn't, and it's it's a disappointment. Um, but you felt that these two nights were simply precursors to the 11th of February, which was the new beginning in Osaka show. Now, this started, the like, the main matches with, randomly... Uh, a really, really good junior heavyweight championship match between the new champion Ishimori and Taguchi. Where the fuck did this come from, Chris? I don't know, because like, Taguchi hasn't done anything good in years. Like Even in like um, Super Juniors, he's sort of just this, is a bit of a Yano figure. So, like, I don't get... I, it just reminded me, though, like, it was, I think it was when he was um, feuding with Kenny for the junior title... <laughs> He let Kenny Omega cut a promo in English and Taguchi just took the mic and went, I don't speak English. <laughs> um, yeah, he proved he could go in this match. Yeah, he could keep up with Ishimori, which is no easy feat. No, absolutely so, not. Um, and then, like, it's, it's weird, like, there's not time to say it was just a really surprisingly good match. Like, nothing, like, 8 out of 10, like, not a massive, massive, massive band burner, but, like, on 
any of the other shows for um for New Beginning, this would have stole stolen the show. Oh, absolutely. We then got Okada and Farley in a special singles match in the semi-main with Okada confirming his crown as the only man who can pull Farley to a decent match. Yeah, he went 18 minutes of Farley and it was interesting. So. Um, the one spot that I remember going back to that show is a back body drop from Farley and Okada went fucking flying. Like, proper AJ Styles. Um, self of a back body drop there. Yeah, the air time that he got was absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely it's ridiculous. Like, remember that um, meme where someone gets thrown and like, dun, 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 dun. You can make one of them out of a Kaida's back drop. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, we then got to the main event, which we sort of alluded to earlier, which was the IWGP Heavyweight Championship match between Tanahashi and Jay White. And Jay White took the belt, Chris. Yeah, I I loved it. Yeah, great. Um, the, the it was a Jay White match, and I love a Jay White match, and it involved Tanahashi being beat. And I like it when Tanahashi gets beat. So, yay! I was really excited at the time. Um, honestly, there's a lot of people going. He didn't like people I know who are massive into the product. Like people I know who watch like other road two shows even. Going, he didn't deserve it. I'm like, what the fuck are you on about? They strapped like a rocket to him. They did, but I think it kind of works. Like, um, he has a very different style, like really, really different style. You like have to be into the Jay White style to enjoy it, I guess. But also, he's just so like he, he's one of these people who wrestles and like doesn't let a flaw happen in the match. Like, and December doesn't always lead to that exciting, explosive match, but it leads to a very interesting match to watch. Like, you can feel smarter what noticing little things in the in the Jay White match. And, like, his ability for selling convinces me he'll be an amazing babyface one day. I don't want to see him as a babyface, though. He is such a convincing heel. <laughs> yeah, he's such a... Like, to be fair, though... Some of his stuff does get over quite comical. Like, no, go <laughs> My favourite moment of this year. Um, yeah, we had the moment, the rather infamous moment, where um, Tanahashi goes for the high, five, high fly flow and it's countered into the Blade Runner. You loved that moment. I liked it. I thought it looked a little bit clunky, but it continued Jay White's amazing sort of reversing everything into the Blade Runner phase that he was going through at the time. <laughs> It's not as bad as the um, I'm going to find creative ways to knock out red shoes every time. No, that's that's very true. Um, but yes. Missed, I kind of that. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, just great. Very quickly, Rob, did you watch any of the new beginning from the USA shows? I watched none of them, no. No, neither did I. What even happened on both shows? Keep talking while I find out. Um, well, I suppose we should probably mention the fact that New Japan announced that they were going to do US uh, New Beginning shows and then couldn't bring half the talent over because there was visa issues. Which... Yeah, because the um, government shutdown sort of ruins the process of getting visas. Yes, so, because they'd that's... sort of half announced that Nagata versus Ishii, which was a hot few coming out of Dash, was going to happen on the New Beginning and US shows and then we couldn't get either of them there. Uh... Right, okay. From the Globe Theatre... Um, 531 people in attendance. Jesus. Um, it was Alex um, Glarklin versus Clark Connors to a time limit draw. Um, Gresham versus Tyler Bateman. Colt Cabana versus Shane Taylor. This is a Ring of Honor show. 
Um, Killer Elite Squad versus Villain Enterprises of Brody King and Mike Skill. I imagine Jeff that was Cobb. quite good. Um, it doesn't come recommended. Ah, so. Maybe not then. Jeff Cobb versus Carl Fredericks. Um, David Finley versus um, Chucky T. And Lifeblood of Juice Robinson and Tracy Williams versus Rapongi Vice. Really? Then, they brought back Rapongi Vice for it? Wow. Um, well, just anyone who has visas, I guess. Um, Clark Connors versus Carl Fredericks. And this is, this is for the um, new beginning in North Carolina. Um, Cook Cabana and John Skyler versus Lance Archer and Shane Taylor. Um, Great O'Kan, which is... Um, Oka. Oka. So he came down from his mountain. Um, <laughs> beating Tracer X. Um, villain Enterprises of Brody King and Mike Skill beating Jeff Cobb and Jonathan Gresham. Um, Dave Roy Smith beating Alex Coughlin. Um, David Finley and Tracy Williams beating Chucky T and Rocky Romero. And Juice Robertson beating Beretta for the US Championship. And then on Tag 3, which only has a handful of matches. Why didn't they bring PCO in? Bastards. Um, Carl Fredericks versus Alex Clogan again. Um, Lance Archer and Shane Taylor versus undefeated Co- Coke Banner and Gresham. Oka beating Bravado. Mike's girl beating Clark Connors. Half this card is fucking done. It's fucking Young Lions. Um, Jeff Cobb versus Brody King beats Brody King and David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Tracy Williams beating um, Rocky, Chucky D, and Beretta. Like, these aren't awful cards. They aren't, but they aren't. They aren't the sort of shows that make you want to go to because you're right. They are They're Ring of Honor shows. Basically, Ring of Honor shows, yes. <laughs> and again, you know, it's. <sighs> depending on what side of the fence you fall down on, it's either New Japan's fault for not getting it sorted sooner or it's completely not their fault and out of their hands because they submitted the paperwork for the visas in the same amount of time that they always have done. And, you know, chance, unfortunately, was not on their side. It depends what... And somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in the middle as well. I think they could have submitted the visas earlier. I think if they had people on the inside that knew that, you know, there was going to be issues. They should have submitted it earlier, but that's beside the point. Anyway, on a rising. Well, on a rising, wow. were crap. The shows were shit. Um, that's a bit far. They were fine shows. No, they weren't, Chris. They were shit. They, we had was, Goto and had... Cobb having a disappointing match. We had. Wait, wait. I, very quickly, that I did enjoy that um, Cobb. No, that Goto suddenly became a Suzuki Gun member because he was throwing young boys at Cobb. Yes, like, he randomly oh, suplexed a young boy onto Jeff Cobb. It's like, that's a very Kanemaru move. Um, Skill and Narita had a really good match on night one. Umino and Zack Sabre Jr. had a good match. Yeah, they were both like seven out of tens. Um, Gresham goes back, surprise roll up with um, Liger beating Ishimori. Which led to a great but, match at the anniversary show, which we'll get to in a moment. Slightly sad because I want to see Gresham mix it up with Ishimori. Um, were they in the same block as Super Genius? No, they weren't, were they? I can't remember, Chris, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, yeah, anyway, um, Lifeblood was Lifeblood. Um, I mean, <sighs> Cheeseburger was there, that's always fun. The main thing you've got to take from these shows is that Ring of Honor's tag belts were rated more highly than their championship belt, which is just it's just ridiculous, and unfortunately. This tag match led to David Finley 
injuring his shoulder and being out from February up until October. So yeah. uh, unfortunately led him to missing out on what was a nailed on New Japan Cup slot. Uh, the chance of him being in the G1, very slim. Um, but yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate for David Finlay. Um, really, really disappointing. We then had... I think the Tanahashi Leafle Okada versus the Kingdom match is really good. I, I disagree. Just like I just like seeing Leafle. I'm not I hate lie. the Kingdom. I think they are useless workers. I think Taven's a good worker. Um, no, I disagree. I disagree he's on many levels. He's not spectacular, but he's capable. I don't think he should be, have been the champion. Oh, we'll get to that. Um, but also, Goto, um, Osprey versus Don Castle and Cobb, pretty good. I mean, you're really, really digging for good matches here. I am. Um, there was a disappointing match on night two between my skill and Robbie Eagles that wasn't given any time at all. No, and it's a shame because obviously Robbie Eagles at the time was still part of the, part of the Bullet Club, and that dynamic of Mike Skull was in the Bullet Club, and you know Robbie yeah. Eagles is the new Bullet Club junior member that they bought him because apparently Marty couldn't get the job done, or you know, as part of that storyline, um, I think it's quite disappointing that they weren't given a little bit more time. Um, also during this sort of period on the twenty first of February. Isika retired in typically disappointing, uh, in typically disappointing fashion, um, in a six-man tag with Tenzan, which tells you all you need to know. He attempts to tell Isika to come back to the light side. Izuka looks like he's going to do it, then bites Tenzan and fucks off into the crowd, never to be seen again. And that's all I'm going to say about it's that still- show. Like sometimes, you, sometimes people just bump into him. It, it was, it was, it was not a great show. We then moved on to the 47th anniversary show from the 6th of March, and this was a very, very good card, Chris. Yes. Um, just starting from like halfway up. Well, Dragon Lee was on it, which is always fun. I remember watching um, it was Dragon Lee, Taguchi, Kojima, Tiger Mask, and Homna versus Desperate Island, um, Suzuki, Taichi, Menchinoko, and Kanemaru. My niece walked in and sat down, and she's like, they're very over the top in Japan, aren't they? <laughs> She's not wrong. I mean, yeah, but to be fair, she was seeing Tiger Mask mixing up with Desperado, so I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, true. Um, the Virginia heavyweight match on this card was really, really, really good. The match between Rapongi Fuke ah, uh, yeah. versus Lij was really good. Um, just anything where Shingo is mixing up with Show and Downward. Yeah, and this led to what will be an absolutely outstanding best of the Super Juniors match leading on to um, the best of the Super Juniors night one. Um, Then we had the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship between Liger and Ishimori, which was fucking fantastic. Like, I watched this and went, oh yeah, Liger used to be amazing. And, like, he still is, but, like, again, on any other card, this would have stolen the show, like... It felt like the old Liger was back. Yeah, the fact that this man could still go made the announcement that he made the day after even more even more alarming, really, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's like his last IWGP junior tag match, um, junior shot, so... And we then had the special match between Jay White and Will Ospreay, which was <laughs> another fantastic match. Like, you wouldn't expect these two styles to get along, but they really did. 
He really did. Really and did. Like, Will Ospreay showing his incredible feats of strength. Um, Jay White showing that he's just the fucking man. Um, was a massive one with red and white attire, though. I think it's a bit ugly. Um, I did like the year before. Whenever he goes out against Tanahashi, it's red and black because he's calling back to Nakamura to annoy Tanahashi. He's just such a clever performer. I love it. He's a dick. But, um, yeah, like, again, this is another one where he, he, I think it was the Ozcutter into the Blade Runner. This. It was real good. Um, the highlight to me was when Osprey did his flip over into a powerbomb. Yes. Very gift worthy. So gifable. Um, gifterific. Giftastic. Um, yeah, just, I mean, like, honestly, if this was for the championship, it'd be a 10 out of 10, but unfortunately, it sort of had no stakes. <laughs> yeah, and because it had no stakes, you you sort of knew that White was winning. Uh, this was, even if this was in the G1, um, this would, or even, like, in a tournament setting or for a title, I this would be a 10, but, like, I understand that this has to be a 9 or sort of, like, an amazing showcase match. It's better than um, Osprey versus Okada from the year before. It really, really disappoints me that he doesn't classify as a Switchblade title defense. He really should have just defended it. But then again, if he did that, he couldn't have kept Osprey and genius. So. No, that is very true. Um, the day after this, um, as we alluded to earlier, Jushin Thunder Liger um, announced that he would be retiring on January the 5th, 2020, um, on the second night of Wrestle Kingdom 14, after 30 years of in-ring competition. Um it sort of took the world a little bit by surprise. I mean, he, he is 54, which, you know, he's not getting any younger. But again, he just proved that he could go in a fantastic match with Ishimori. But then I suppose once you've had a match like that, you've got to realize, mm, do I want to go out, you know, on a relative high? Or do I want to go out, you know, no offense to him, like Nakanishi or Honma, who, you know, I don't want to say they're laughing stocks because that's not fair, but. They can't go. They there's there's no there's nothing left in those two performers, and I'm sure that was in the back of Liger's mind. Do I want to be remembered for matches like this, or do I want to carry on for another couple of years and risk you know being remembered as someone who hung on too long? Either way, it was really disappointing, Chris. Yeah, you know what else was disappointing, Rob? Go on. We need to hang up. Do you know what? Your segue, you're learning from the best. I love your segue. Yes. The New Japan Cup uh, from March 8th to March 24th expanded for the first year from 16 competitors to 32. First things first, Chris, was this a good thing or a bad thing? No, I've pulled the brackets up, Rob. Some of the classic matches in the first round this year include um, Minoru Suzuki versus Satoshi Kojima. That's a good Did match. We- no, fair enough, it's actually pretty decent. But then we have Goto versus Sonata, which bored me to tears. Yeah, it had it had the premise, it had the promise. That's, that's every Goto match. It has the promise to be good, but unless it's at Wrestle Kingdom, fuck you. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, Toriano versus um, David Boy Smith, and what would be David Boy Smith's last tour? Yep, he would quit soon after uh, due to his booking. And to be honest, he had just lost to Yano for, I believe, the second out of three years. <laughs> <laughs> Let me double check this. Um, yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't face Yano in New Japan Cup in 2016, but yeah, didn't. <laughs> he didn't. 
So yeah, two years, two losses to Yana in the first round. But outstanding. Um, Chase Owens versus Juice Robinson, which was surprisingly good, but also went about ten minutes too long. Yep, true. Um, there's Taichi versus Homna, which I like. I I didn't. I thought seventeen minutes was was far far too long for those two, especially Homer. You know what though? Um, I one thing I like about Homer is when he's wearing like his um, samurai gear and takes it off, and Kevin Kelly goes, "Oh, it's Homer." <laughs> the Kokashi doll uh, costume. Yeah, I love it. I love. I just love that. Oh, it's Homer. I wonder if he um, do you think Osprey beat um Ballet in a big victory? And the commentary team actually did a fantastic job of selling that because they said that Fale had never been defeated in the first round of the New Japan Cup. Sort of telegraphed it a little bit, but it built yeah. that match a little bit more for me. Um, Ubino had a decent match with Tanahashi, but like for the most part, and Mikey Nichols was Mikey Nichols. And tell you what, the match of the first round for me, Ishii versus Nagata, great match. Oh God, yeah, and it's it's still one of my matches of the year because it was just it was a it was a. It, Little feud that didn't go too long as well. Yeah, it was strong style, like you say, and fucking hell was it. And it's just, it's an Ishii match and a Nagata match. Just, you know, you don't need much imagination to imagine what that was like. But the fact that after that match, they showed respect to each other and it was done, that one match. <coughs> really, really good. Um, the second round. Well. I'm not going to say everything. Um, but Ishii versus Taichi was really good. A- another fantastic Ishii match. Was Ishii the MVP of the tournament, do you reckon? No, thank you. Um, Genuinely, I I can feel the hatred. There's so much hatred for you right now. Um, Okada versus Mikey Nichols was shit. Like it was a Randy Orton special, um, and Mikey yeah. Nichols used a big ending for some reason. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. If I'm perfectly honest, very very Big confusing. Um, Osprey versus Archer was decent. Um, not as good as a match they'd have later on double line, but you know, um, Cabano and Yana was a fun little distraction. I can still feel the hatred. Yeah, it's it's the inherent issue with expanding the bracket to thirty-two competitors was that New Japan didn't have the competitors to fill up thirty-two slots, and this is embodied in the fact that Colt Cabana got through to the quarter fucking finals. Um, but there was two re- two really, really good matches in terms of Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr., which ugh, loved it. That's my match of the tournament. And, like, seriously, just Zack Sabre Jr. versus Kota Ibushi is basically my fucking kink at this point. Don't, and Min- don't forget Ibushi and Naito from uh, round one. Oh, fuck, yeah, I did. Um, to be fair, that's probably because it's the most tame of there. Still a great match. Yeah, it's still a great match. I'm still... That power driver on the apron. And there. Um, <laughs> um, and also Suzuki versus Sonata, which may have went a bit too long. Like, could trim five minutes off this match, but still, it's really enjoyable. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Ichi pulled out Ta- Yoshihashi's best match. Yep. And Okada and Osprey had a disappointing match, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I remember you saying this at the time you weren't hot on this match. No, it just... Felt like nothing. Which is disappointing like, because their forty seventh anniversary show was a decent sorry, forty sixth yeah, well, anniversary match. Was a good was match. Like forty eight like um eight or nine out of ten. It was really good. Um and then my G one match happened and everything just has to fuck off at that point. 
Um, and then Everything Kibana was right in the world. Finally got chucked out of the <laughs> New Japan Cup. Yeah. I don't mind Kibana. I think he's a good work, a good worker and a great comedy wrestler. I think he works well with Yano in a tag team setting, and I think that should be where he is. I don't think he should be pushing single. Only, you're only saying that because it's the only thing you enjoyed about Tag League. It's we'll not get. just that. It's not that. It's the fact that the New Japan Cup, and you've mentioned this before, the New Japan Cup is the tournament where, you know, surprises happen. Anyone could win it. Zack Sabre Jr.'s won it. Shabbat. This year, it was always going to be Okada because the is winner the- got a shot at MSG. It's for MSG, so it's Okada or Tanahashi. Exactly, because you need to main event MSG. You know, you've already got Switchblade, who is a relative rookie. You know, he's just won the title. He's probably not capable of selling out MSG on his own against anyone, you know, as against Nishi, for example. But, you know, it's it's part of the Okada redemption storyline. It was always made to be Okada. Um, and to be perfectly honest, aside from his Ishii semi-final, which was an absolute banger... Um- Unbelievable. But to be fair, you're gonna say he had a disappointing tournament. Look at who the fuck he was against. To be fair, he was against like in the first round he was against an unmotivated Elgin who was just about to leave. Again though, Elgin and Okada have fantastic chemistry. They have had great matches, so this was disappointing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. He's a very unmotivated Elgin because he's about to leave. He's got Mikey Nichols in the next round, which was which, like is like trying to draw water from a stone. But then he had Osprey. Uh, and then that was really disappointing. So, like, no, literally, I was like, I'm not feeling Okada kind of tournament. Osprey's up next. This should be great. Nope, it was fine. Yeah, that it, it's not a bad match. It's probably a seven, but it wasn't It wasn't the match we expected it to be. No, but again, his Ishii match was probably my third favourite. Actually, over two favourites, a lot of really good matches in this tournament. Um, just a lot, also a lot of filler. It's yeah. Like the equivalent. Our Rangers, where when it's great, it's great, but also there's a lot of filler. Um, Again, an inherent problem of expanding the bracket when you don't have the resources to expand the brackets. Yes, also an inherent problem. Where was Good Guy Tamatonga? Do you really want to see Tamatonga in this tournament? I want to see Good Guy Tamatonga in this tournament. <laughs> um, Sonata versus Tanahashi, the other semi final. That's fine. Um, too long, but fine. And we moved on to the final. Uh, the five-star Dave Meltzer rated final, which went 33 minutes and seven seconds and was the first of the Okada-Sonada quadrilogy from this year. Great match, Chris. Great match. Proper, proper good. Um, started off what, probably New Japan feud of the year, so can't complain. No, not at all. And again, would have four great matches as the year progressed. So this obviously was all to crown Jay White's basically contender in the main event at the MSG. And this culminated at the G1 Supercard on the 6th of April 2019, a joint show with Ring of Honor at Madison Square Garden. This show, and again, we reviewed it, this show was very much a show of two bits. You had a great New Japan side and a fucking woeful Ring of Honor side, Chris. Yeah, okay, let's just, you what, let's just run this down just so we can get it fucking over with. So first of all, I'm very sad we didn't show the, the um, dark six-person tag, because you know what it is? Go on. Jenny Rose, Hazuki, and Kagetsu versus Hanakamura, Stella Gray, and Sumi Sakai. And while Stella Gray, Sumi Sakai, and Jenny Rose can fuck off, Hazuki, Kagetsu, and Hanakamura, yay. You're such a stardom smark, it's untrue. Fucking... 
the first me... issue I have with this tournament, I'm moving on from the stardom shit. Um, <laughs> the first Let's issue go. I have with the Ring of Honor booking is the Honor Rumble, where you have got Liger, who has just announced his retirement. He's on his retirement tour as he heads up to January 5th, 2020. And he is the last person eliminated from the Honor Rumble by Kenny fucking King. Now, I'm all yeah. for trying to build storylines. I'm all for trying to build heat. You had the perfect perfect moment to give Liger that send-off. It's not even on the main fucking card. To give him that send-off to say, you are an absolutely outstanding competitor, one of the great, one of the pioneers of the junior division, which he was, and he lost to Kenny fucking King. There's some good parts in this rumble. Um, Haku. Yes, Haku. Great mooter. Um, yeah, um, they, for some reason they didn't have the rights for Minoru Suzuki's song. I don't get that. No, it would. this was also disappointing. Like, we have the rights for everything else. Yeah, very, very disappointing. Um, uh, CK Orion was in there? I don't want to talk about it. Genuinely, the Honor Rumble really, really winds me up for that reason. <laughs> to be fair, um, Vinny Marcelli's balloon spot was really fun. Oh, right, okay, to the main card. Thank you. Um, Jeff Cobb versus Will Ospreay. Great match. Really, really good match. Fun opener. A uh, little bit of a surprise that Cobb came out as the winner, but heading, oh, obviously heading into best of the Super Juniors, I suppose they didn't want Will Ospreay being the never open weight champion. You forget, Rob, I clean sweeped Mania weekend. You did clean sweep Mania weekend in our pay-per-view pickums. Well done. I'm still in the lead, but that's beside the point. I think Mania week. I think we should for weekends. We should put in fucking clean sweep um, points. No, because no, because I, I, I was really impressive, Rob. It's my biggest achievement this year. I mean, I did. <laughs> I, did I did a degree, and um, technically, but still. A couple more of these. Um, okay. So... In matches then. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly run down and ask for quick thoughts. Rush versus um, Dalton Castle. Uh, what, the 18-second squash match? 15 seconds. And also, I kind of liked that. I kind of liked the arc it sent Dalton Castle on. For Ring of Honor fans, I'm sure Dalton Castle turning heel was a fun arc. Um, it made Rush look very strong to an audience that might not have been exposed to him before. And yeah, I really hope... I'd really hope Roosh's title reign helps to, but he's now on, helps to turn Ring of Honor around. Because I want to like Ring of Honor, Rob. But every time I try to watch, they have two problems. For, um, chiefly being their week-to-week product is a bit shit. Like a bit sterile, I'll say. Yep, I agree. And second of all, um, they can't decide if they want to do big event to big event or weekly. Because half the time, if something happens in a big event, it's not going to catch up on TV for another two or three weeks. So they need to sort out this fucking programming. Like, for example, remember last year when I was on um, the main podcast before, like, the two um, merged and um, the Young Bucks won the six-man championships? I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the Ring of Honor show I was at two weeks beforehand, they came out with the six-man championships. <laughs> Which is just such basic shit. It's basic booking 101, isn't it? It's such, it's such basic shit. And so I'm like, you can't do that. Like, just keep doing weekly shows then, and then, like, a few pay-per-views a year. Like, just stop. <laughs> anyway, um, Kelly Klein versus Mayo um, Iwatani. And now knowing what I know about Mayo, 
this put so much shit on Kelly Klein's shoulders because this match was god awful. Not only that, it led to an angle where the allure debuted, so nothing about this feud, yeah. this match, or anything um, was good. Yeah, um, what I will say is to Kelly Klein, if you can't take a reverse runner, don't try. No, it was it was very, very sloppy, and unfortunately it wasn't the only sloppy spot of the night either. Yeah. My May isn't especially like her kicks are crisp, but like she's known for like taking really bad bumps. That'd be Priestley one, for example. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, the New York City street fight. What a fucking car crash this was. It was a car crash. It was something a bit different. Mark Haskins showed up, which I'm always down for. But then it randomly turned into a six man. Yeah, it did. It was. Very strange. Yeah, like, when you look at anyone, like, anyone who could have answered um, Bully Race open challenge, like, of course it was fucking... And then we announced beforehand it was Juice, and then it wasn't Juice. And then I remember you watching it. Like, I watched it the night before, and you were watching it the morning of, and um, you were like, like, oh, I swear to fucking God, it was Flip Gordon. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Again, they they defaulted to the most boring culmination to something. I mean, you had Suzuki on the card. Oh, yeah, imagine like a Suzuki and Bully Ray death match. Oh, just, it would have been incredible. It would have been brilliant, but no. But no. You can't have nice things. Nice no, exactly. Uh, but then, the card gets too fair. But at this point, the card's not great, but the card's fun. Yeah, I'll I'll grant you that, yes. But then, great match. Ishimori um, defending his championship against Bandido and Dragon Lee. High-paced, high-octane, probably didn't go long enough for me. What was it? It was only something like eight minutes? Eight, eight minutes, 54. And how long was the death match? Um, 15. I rest my case. Um, so, best part of this match... Rob, wasn't even part of the match. It was part of the commentary. Oh, absolutely amazing, this. Absolutely um, amazing. Bandido does, like, a world strongest flam position, like Spanish fly type thing. I've no clue what's called. But he was doing it from the second rope to those, both Dragon Lee and Ishimori. And Coke Cabana just shouts, that's not a real move. <laughs> like, almost disgusted. He's like, that's not a real move. <laughs> they were obviously, <laughs> obviously there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of trying to heat Bandido up because it would be announced for best of Super Juniors afterwards. But yeah, it was it was a great call, it, it, absolutely it, brilliant. Um, like great junior match could use more time, but we're still. I think we gave it a nine. I think we really liked it that much. We did. Do you think um, it was yeah. the right choice though, giving the belt to Dragon Lee? Given the matches we got, yes. So, I mean. Ishimori went from Wrestle Kingdom to the G1 Supercard as champion and then lost the belt in eight minutes. We 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 have all said about how good Ishimori is. Do you think he deserved a little bit longer with the championship? Maybe. Um, after Super Junior's kind of faded into EOP's background. Complete so insignificance, like... yeah. Uh, we'll get on to that again to Super Juniors. Um, the GOD, um, LIJ, Briscoe's Villain Enterprises match was disturbing. <laughs> the only thing that that match, unfortunately, will ever be known for is the failed, botched attempt by Ring of Honor to debut Enzo and I Cass. They even tried. Despite the fact I... that no other competitors knew that they were there. Yeah. 
and yeah, which is bad because it should be remembered for PCO. It should be remembered for that one PCO bump, yes. And that, and also PCO's entrance. Because I remember, I kept, I kept trying to justify to you and um, Garth my love of PCO. And then I was like, do you see why I love PCO now? PCO is great. Um, I love but yeah, yeah when, it, when the match is notable for three things, and only two of those things are what happens in the match, you know it's not. Yeah. It's not essential oh, Ring of Honor viewing. It's not essential New Japan viewing. Let's put it that way. Unfortunately, um, Girl of the Destiny. Um, Tamatonga, good guy, is gone. And I'm still sad about it, Rob. I really hope he brings it back. It did lead to one of the greatest moments in internet wrestling history this year when uh, Tamatonga just launched the Ring of Honor tag team belts at the wall saying, fuck Ring of Honor. That was amazing. But also, like... He could have done that further down the... <laughs> I love anyway. it. I love it. Um, so we then moved on, I believe, is it... The SJ versus, versus Tanner next. Yes. I have a good match up for it. Um, this is fine. It, yeah, it's fine. I'm sort of sick of this match. They wrestled a lot. They did wrestle a lot, but when you've got the I chemistry think... that they had, I don't think it's a bad thing, Chris. Yeah, no, at this stage, I was fine with it. It's when they got to around Royal Quest and I was like, oh, come on, lads. Yeah, then had the uh, then had the rematch, just over a week later or whatever it was. Yeah, I'm kind of done with that. But also, um, Bushi versus Naito was next, and that was a car crash in a good way. In the best um, sense of the word, yeah. These two really want to hurt each other. Um, yeah, really good. Um, the best part being the Hurricane Rana off of the just ouchies. Yeah, it's literally um, neck injury. The musical. <laughs> I hurt mine. Um, <laughs> Matt Taven winning Ring of Honor Championship from Skilled and Evil. This is a puzzling decision, and he had a very long reign. Um, I can't speak to the quality of his reign. I haven't seen any of it. But from Ring of Honor fans I have talked to, they've been sort of like, is it even really like Taven or really don't like Taven? It seems to be like a Baron Corbin type thing. I just think that when you've got Marty Skrull, who is as hot as he is, Oh, yeah, he was really over. Um, he needed like, to be given the belt. Apparently, they were scared he was going to leave, but like he was under contracts for at least at the end of the year. So. I was just going to say, even just give him a short towel reign, just pop just pop the crowd. Yeah, there was a lot of title changes for the sake of popping the crowd in here. So. Um, also, um, the best part of this match was when the ladders were in an X and Lethal threw it out and it accidentally hit a fan. And um, the fans are chanting, that's a lawsuit. Yeah, that was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> Probably not for the fact you got hit by two ladders. Um, 29 minutes this went, could have went shorter. Um, oh, God, yes. Yeah, like, I'd, no ladder match could go 29 minutes and remain interesting, in my opinion. Um, No, if it's car crash TV, it needs to be done in 20. Because after a while, you just... You can, there's only so many car crashes you can watch before you go, yay. Yeah, you you become a little bit immune to it, yeah, absolutely. Like CZW, you become a CZW fan for the night. Um, Okada versus Jay White, which was amazing, but I hate this fucking outcome. We've talked about this before, Chris. This and is like, this is like, in my opinion, the second, no, the, the Kofi and Bryant, so like the third best match of many weekends. Like after, actually, no, because Gagano went, okay, so it's the fourth best match of many weekends. Which, like, it's, it's no small feat. I Wait, think no, it's better. Match quality wise, it's better than 
Brian versus Kofi, but obviously you've got yeah. the culmination of Kofi, you've yeah, got no. the emotion, so you've got to put story into it. Also, um, Walter, because Walter versus Dunn was my favorite of the weekend, to be fair, but that's because I'm a, I'm a Brit Res man, but um, they defaulted <sighs> to the most, the safest possible thing. I'm not being funny, he's suffocating the championship. Like, me, I was gonna get into this when he did the whole what do you think of it as a whole, but like, me and you have felt the need to seek out other Japanese wrestling products. We have not felt the need to do that in any other year. No. Um, and the issue that we had, when Jay White got the belt, we had the possibility of a lot of different challenges that we'd never seen, a lot of fresh matchups. Naito, At this point, Naito Abushi. and Jay White hadn't yeah. faced off. Neither had, neither had White and Ibushi. Um, oh. Even like White White versus G two would have been a really fun program. Um, I'm just looking at who's on the fucking ca- card to tell you. Um, White and Suzuki could have been great. White and White White and Goto under the right contacts can be a really good match. Um, White and Shingo when Shingo moved up. Um, Ichi. Exactly. There's so many possibilities. The problem is when you default back to a champion who, let's face it, won the belt for well held the belt for 720 days. And has only he's, just dropped it. He's not been out of the um, championship picture for the whole time. He, like, as long as he's been out of the championship picture, it's like maybe a year. Like, in a calendar year, Okada's going to have several shots or defences of the championship. And we got to a point where we were thinking, well, who's going to challenge Okada? We've we've seen all these matches, you know, in the last reign, in the last couple of years, in the last couple of months, sorry. So... There's nothing fresh, and it, it did feel a little bit stagnant. It did feel like it was suddenly, you know, very predictable. I feel like they could have gone a lot longer with Jay White. Um, I know that booking decisions that were made two years in advance, if you believe the way that Gato books. Um, I don't believe that. Well, that irrelevant of that, I believe that, and it's been widely publicized, that Omega, if he'd have stayed, was supposed to hold the belt until the G1. Supercard and Okada would then take it back off Omega, and I think that would have been a better storyline, whereas here we've simply oh, yeah, got defaulted back, yeah. Um, but we, we could go on about this for a long time, we can get more into this as we get into a card of dream throughout the year. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so just very quickly before we go on to Dantaki, um, there was two smaller events, um, Sagaki Lord and Hinakuni. Um, so on Sengaku Lord, the main matches were Juice versus Fale, with going 17 minutes, because you know, Juice versus Fale is a 17, is a long match waiting to happen. And Ibushi versus Zack, which I haven't seen, but you've told me it's really good. Uh, it's a nine star match. Uh, I reviewed it for Rope Break in my brief time as a writer for Rope Break. And yeah, the show, apart from that, was very disappointing. I believe it also had uh, Chase Owens versus Mikey Nichols on there, which was the most boring singles match I've ever seen. Yeah, um, and then we moved on to Hinakini, which nof- there's an IWE tag match between G.O.D. and Makabe and Yano. It's meh. And then White versus Goto, which is somewhat highly reviewed, but I think it's pretty fucking sterile. I think uh, as well, this is the time when Goto sort of leaves for a while yeah. too. Yeah, this is where Goto leaves. So anyway, on to... It was overall best for him, but we'll get into that when we get into the G1. Yeah. Um... Moving on to so, Don Taku then. So, so 3rd and 4th of really, May at Fukuoka. Night like 1. About, very quickly, what I like about Night 1 is for some fucking reason, Rapongi 3K are tagging with Ibushi. 
I don't mind that partnership, if I'm perfectly honest. No, it's a good partnership, but it's like, why the fuck is this happening? No, I um, agree. I agree. But anyway, um, main matches on night one, there's, of course, the traditional tag match um, with the main... Good, um, with the main matches of the night after, and that was really fun because, of course, it is because there's Okada Ishii with Evil and Sonata, so of course, that was a really fun one. Um, we finally had Tai Chi reaching his potential, Rob. This is the first time I saw you actually face Tai Chi, and it was against Jeff Cobb. It was a good match, very good Great match. match. Um, hey, I don't most- think that. Jeff Cobb was given a fair reign with the title. Of course, it's the Never title, and we find out later in the year that the average amount of Never successful Never title defense is 1.2 or 1.3. So, I think also what you need to factor in is the fact that Cobb's contracted to Ring of Honor, so he might just not have had the opportunity. I don't know. We've seen Cobb a lot. He was obviously in the G1, he's been on tour since, and you know. We haven't seen that many never title defenses in the last couple of months, so I I don't see that as an excuse. But that's but, uh, that's by the by. Hi, G. So you know, fuck your cop. Um, and then we had what a match between Dragon Lee and Ishimori. I made Gareth very excited on it because I was reviewing it with him. This is a week you weren't on, and um, he was like. I was trying to explain Dragon Lee. I'm like, imagine if Shibata and Ray Phoenix had a baby. And that's Dragon Lee? Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair comparison. He's a strong striker. He's extremely flippy. So, yeah, why not? Um, Great. Absolutely great match. Um, Some absolute car crashes, like the Hurricane Rana to be outside from the inside. Great stuff. Um, What did you think of this match? This match was great. Um... And it's if Ishimori had dropped the title here to Dragon Lee, I'd have been a little bit more for it. Um, but obviously, I don't know. I I was a little bit down on Ishimori losing it at MSG, but that's beside the point. Um, I thought this match was high octane. It was great pace. It was given enough time. And yeah, really, really good match. It was great to see that a junior heavyweight championship match was headlining one of these shows. Because if I'm perfectly honest... It's not headlined as much as it should do, and I think with the return of Aroma and things, we could see that headlining a bit more. Last time it headlined was in a Corican show, so it's like first time in front of a big crowd in a while. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so night two, um, El Fantasmo debuted, and that was about it. Um, Ishii versus Evil was a really, really, really fun house match. It was basically like two rhinos attacking each other, which is absolutely what I love about these two wrestlers. They have very, very good styles. They have two very good chem. They have two have extremely good chemistry, and you know their build. It had just been those two in six man tags, just fucking hating each other, and it was great. It was really, really good. Acted as a bit of an unofficial number one contendership match to the Never Openweight Championship. Well, it's not an official number one contendership match, though. Say again. There's never ever an official... No, but you knew that whoever won this match would probably go on to face Taichi at Dominion, and that proved to be true. I think the correct person won. I think if you're one of your bigger shows, you need your better competitors. In that sort of four, I don't think Evil is quite there yet. It would be quite nice to see Evil with a singles title at some point, because they seem to build him and build him and build him, and then knock him back to the tag division in the same way they do Sonata, so... That'll be interesting to see what that eventual, um, that eventual single titles be uh, becomes because I know he's held the never open weight championship once, 
but it was very, yeah, very briefly. It. Yeah, he held it for three days and then dropped it because he basically wanted a title change in Singapore, so he won it and then dropped it in Singapore. So. I think he dropped it to Shibata, didn't he? Yeah, he blo- he won it from Shibata and then dropped it to Shibata. So there you go. Um, Good. Um, yeah, then we have the main event. Okada and Sonata had what would we now know as an Okada and Sonata match. Yeah, the second match in their quadrilogy, which, again, absolutely great match, but it gets lost in the shuffle because we've seen the match so many times. It's similar to the Zack and Hiroshi Tanahashi thing where yeah, if you are asked, either... what's that match like? Well, I don't know because, unfortunately, even though their matches are absolutely amazing and I'm never going to turn down the opportunity to see those matches... It's a match we've seen before many times. The only two that stand out are the two later in the year, actually. Like the, the New Japan Cup and the um, Dentaki matches sort of blur together for me. But... Exactly, and I think that their G1 match is probably their best match. Yeah, and we'll get into that when we get into the G1 very soon. But first of all, Rob, before the G1, there's the mini G1. The best of the Super G1. The best of the Super Juniors, 26, from the 13th of May to the 5th of June. So, first of all, Chris, sweeping question, who is your MVP? Who is your MVP of the best of the Super Juniors? Osprey, obviously. Really? Okay. Why? Well, I think because he had the best matches. Like, like if we did not like best matches, of course, Osprey... Went like just look, he had the best match with everyone in their block. Apart from, I preferred the Renry to Doki match because I like Okada. I sort of like Doki um, abusing the young boy. We did see uh, the uh, debut of Doki, who obviously went on to uh, challenge and win still, the IWGP still, Heavyweight still Championship. Have a Wikipedia page. Obviously, Doki was a late replacement for Al Desperado, who broke his jaw. Um, and it was really sad to see that because I feel like Desperado was probably going to be given a quite high-profile spot in that block. Um, so Doki replaced him. And then I believe Flip Gordon was supposed to be in as well, and he ended up injured as well, which led to Ren Narita having a real breakout here. A real breakout. Had really good matches. He had really, like, nothing under a seven. So good for you, Ren Narita. Yeah, fantastic. Um, um, Egos versus ELP was a sleeper hit. Yeah, I was going to ask actually. So, if you take block A and block B separately, which was your favorite block A match? Block A match. Block um, A match. So Shingo's block. Shingo and Show. I agree. I think Shingo and Show, the main event of night one, it set the tournament up to be like, holy <laughs> fuck, this is incredible. That was the semi main. The main event for night one. Oh, it was, was... Um, Ishimori and Dragon Lee. I apologize. Yeah, um, and a match that wasn't quite as good as their, um, the not the um, Dentaka match was still really good. Um, Kanemaru and Shingo also great match. Yeah, my, one of my favorite matches of the entire yeah. tournament. That also pointed out one of the biggest pet peeves of Kevin Kelly is calling Kanemaru his guilty pleasure. Yes, like, I'm not being funny. I mean, that definitely means he wanks over Kanemaru. I really like, hope that's not what it means, Chris. I mean, like. Why would he be your girl? He's a former GHC fucking junior champion. Why would he? Anyway, um, Titan had decent lucha things. Um, um, I mean, you say that. I feel like Titan was he was a little bit bland, and I think that didn't help that he was in the same block as Dragon Lee, who was so good. You look at the other lucha doors. It's Bandido and Dragon Lee who are infinitely more interesting. But I think for who he for like. Who he is, which is like just a standard CMLL guy. I think he did. I think he represented the company well. 
So, um, Marty had a bit of a disappointing one. Like, he didn't really have any classics. Um, and his match with... Ishimori was dreadful. Yeah, it, was it, was, yeah. it, was, it was long, it was boring, it was plodding. It could have ended four or five times and didn't. Yeah, anyway. But Block B, on the other hand... What, what a block. Rocky Romero, where, where have you been all my life? It was the storylines in Block B. And we said this before. Block A was very much along the lines of Shingo is going to win this block. He's undefeatable. Who's going to beat Shingo? And obviously, he went through the block unbeaten. This one, though, had the great storylines between Will Ospreay, El Fantasmo, and Rocky Romero. And it was a case of who the fuck is going to stop El Fantasmo in getting to the final because we cannot have Fantasmo getting to the final and that led to one of the greatest pops of this year when Rocky Romero beat El Fantasmo in the main event at Corican Hall and it was was such a great match. Rocky Romero probably had, in terms of block action, the two best block matches in block B. With Osprey and uh, Rocky, uh, with El Fantasmo and Osprey, yeah. Yeah. And also, and again, with Osprey, had the best match with everyone, with the exception of the Romero Fantasma match, was better than the Osprey Fantasma match. But the Osprey Rocky match, again, Rocky Romero, where have you been all my life? I want to have your baby. He had, he reminded everyone that he is still ridiculously capable in ring, and you do I sometimes forget a- that when he is on commentary as much as he is. No, I was thinking, because he's so rambly on commentary and like so unfocused, you sort of forget that he's a really good wrestler. Um, Robbie Eagles also, like, I understand he was in last year as well, I think, and he was still really good. Well, I wasn't in last year, but like, yeah, like with, with the case of Robbie, um, I really like his sniper of the skies thing. I really like how he can target. I really enjoy that as well. I enjoy the fact that he's doing moonsaults onto knees and things like that and then working the knee yeah. over with the Ron Miller like, special. If he does a springboard, he's like targeting a limb, not just doing a standard springboard. And that, like, it can be overstated how hard that must be. No, his his skill as a competitor is fantastic, but not also that, his storyline with, is Phantasmo going too far? Do I really want to be a member of the Bullet Club? That's great as well. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, well- We'll get into that when we get on to the Aussie shows, but yeah, I think those are a bit swept under the rug, so it's not massive. But, um, block action being said, Rob, when we had the finals... Well, just before that, Chris, don't forget, throughout the block action, we had this video package with Juice Robinson on commentary for so long. We yes, had Chris a Br- video package um, that we assumed was going to be Chris Brooks for many, 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 many times. We thought it was going to be Chris Brooks, and that would lead to the debut of CCK in um, New Japan. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But what did happen was it was announced that it was John fucking Moxley. Dean Ambrose, as we know it, it today he was in the WWE, came to New Japan, and had an absolute barnstormer challenging Juice Robinson. I was a little bit filled with trepidation because this of course was one of the first things that um, uh, sorry Moxley had done once he'd left the WWE and my only exposure to Moxley was his time in WWE and you know New Japan don't have the best track record with people coming over from uh, WWE into New Japan I mean look at Cody Juice Robinson to start off with was nothing special at all Robinson to start off with was a young lion so well, he no, he was wasn't he like a, a little bit of a stage above the. He was basically Toa Hanare, so he was um, a little bit above. Also, if you look at um, 
Nakamura versus AJ. You can see him at ringside. He's still at ringside. No, I'll grant you that. But he is probably the Toa Hanare, as in, like, he will beat Young Lions in singles. We didn't have to train him from the um, ground up, so. No, exactly. Um, And, yeah, we then got through to the final on the 5th of June, and we had three main matches, basically. Um, The first, of course... Um, Jay White versus Tana, which is... I, I was kind of, I was kind of still burnt out on this feud from last year. We thought, thought about as much last year as Sonata and Okada did this year. But that being said, I, I'd love Jay White Tanahashi matches. Like if you want to feel smarter watching a wrestling match, watch a Jay White Tanahashi match with a really critical lens. No, I agree. Um, again, the problem is that we'd had it in the G1, we'd had it at Wrestle Kingdom 12, we'd had it at New Beginning in Osaka. It was it was a lot of times that we'd had it. Of course, it was yeah. billed as Tanahashi's return match, which is great, but, you know, give us a little bit of a, re- you know, give us a little bit of a respite from it. Yeah. Um, then we had Moxley versus Juice, which was just, a, again, a car crash in the best possible way. It sort of create, created this niche of US side to work, some very Americanized form of, um, wrestling, like this little American niche within New Japan, which I think is good for it. It's good for each title to have their own style, and it now has its own style. So, thanks, John Moxley. Thanks, Juice. You, how good Juice Robinson was here. He was so good, but you didn't know it's how good he was because he was making Moxley look so good. We had a big change in Juice as well. When gone was the fun loving Juice, the dreads were gone. Um, it. It, it added another element to his character, to the match, and to the feud going forward as well. Very true. Um, this is going to be a great feud. We'll get, again, we'll get more into that when we hit the G1. Um, but then, Rob, wrestling heaven happened. We had the best of the Super Juniors final. And this was the winner of Block A, the undefeated Shingo, who, of course, was still undefeated um, going into the Super Juniors final in his entire time in New Japan. And the winner of Block B, Will Ospreay. This match is my match of the year. And I saw a video quite recently again of the opening, I think it was about 35 seconds of this match. And good fucking God. The opening was like if Ricochet and um, Osprey were actually trying to hit each other. Exactly. Imagine that sort of pace, but with Shingo just trying to decapitate Osprey. And it it really worked. I think the result was absolutely the correct thing because you need a way. The problem is inherently with undefeated streaks is how are you going to defeat the undefeated streak? And it always ends up booking people into a corner. However, losing here in a fantastic match in a tournament final did, pardon me, absolutely nothing to take away from Shingo. And the fact that it took Will absolutely everything to beat him. It took a hidden blade, a um, an Ozcutter, and a Stormbreaker, literally all in one motion to beat yeah. Shingo. It really yeah. built Shingo as this dominant force. Well, so like, and basically immediately after this, he moves up to the heavyweights, and he was like, I lost the world because Will's been fighting heavyweights all year, so I want a heavyweight, which played into Dominion. It did. We'll get, onto, we'll get onto that in a second, Rob. I just want to quickly touch on, because um, in a road happened, so it wasn't great, but there's a few things worth mentioning. Um, ELP and Ishimori won the IWGP Junior Tag Titles. And have held them yeah. since. Have held them since. And, and to be fair, this is a really good match. So, and we'll see it again at Wrestle Kingdom. So, again, stuff. which um, I'm very, very happy about. Yeah. Um, and then, another Kazuna Road show in Sendai. Um, it's funny, Rob. 
because it's basically a Rev Pro show, but for Rev Pro Cruiserweight and Rev Pro Heavyweight Championships are on the line. El Fantasma beating um, Taguchi in a decent match that went to, a bit too long, if I remember correctly. I do remember watching this. And ZSJ beating Yoshihashi for the heavyweight title. And I believe also a spot in the G1, or is that... No, 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 that was in the lead-up to the G1. That is... No, it was this match. Oh. It was this match. No, oh, I've accidentally skipped ahead of Dominion. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. Um, so this was obviously into Dominion a couple of days after, four days after the best of the Super Juniors final, the 9th of June, 2019, Osaka Joe Hall. Um, obviously, one thing heading into this is that Jericho had returned and was challenging Okada for the title here, so the main event was set. Um, another couple of things just to go into before we get into the main body Mark, of the card. Um, um, Shooter. Yes, John Moxley abducting Shota Umino and the birth of Shooter, which again he now well, uses in Rev Pro as his name with the targets on his knee pad. So there's lovely bit of uh, lovely bit of inside noise yeah. there. Um, Takagi had a surprisingly really good match with Kojima. We forget that Kojima can still go, but he can. Very, very good. And then that was where he announced that he was going for the G1 Climax and he was ascending into heavyweight. And obviously just before that, John Moxley had said that he was going to go into the G1 as well. And then after but, that... No, because no, then it was um, Liger and Suzuki beating the shit out of each other for a while. And then Robert Kenta came out. Now, what it was really mean, though, because Shibata's music hits. And, like, I'm not being funny, because Shibata's um, opening in his song is quite emotional. It's like... And I was like, oh, Shibata... Like, you always get that slight... There's a reverence around Shibata. There is. He's a godlike figure, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it's not just that. Like, I feel like if I touched him, he'd shatter. <sighs> yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. No. It's over off of that. He's not coming back at Wrestle Kingdom. I told you this wasn't going to happen. We're going to do some G1. Anyway, so then the main card really kicks off with the title defenses. We had Ishii versus Taiji, which low-key one of my favourite matches of the year. Not because of their G1 match, but still. No. Um... Ishii and Taichi have always had chemistry um, and they always will have chemistry because their styles are quite similar with the striking and basically brute force and no frills type of match. I thought it was a great match. Similar to you, I thought their New Japan Cup match was better, um, but this was still a really, really, really good match. Yeah. um, I like Chris Charlton bringing up how it's basically Tenryu versus... Kawada. uh, and I do like how Chris Charleston keeps bringing up how Kawada abused Tai Chi because it explains so much. It does. It's always the fact that Tai Chi is Kawada's uh, protege, but then it is quickly always followed up by, yeah, Kawada doesn't like Tai Chi. Yeah, Kawada's not massive on But still, this was really good. Really had it in. And then we had Rob's favorite match of the night with the Gorillas of Destiny versus LIJ. For the billionth like, fucking time, which yeah, is just ridiculous. It, it, it was still really good. Um, I really liked Gorillas. Weirdly, I like Gorillas of Destiny entrance here. I like the Gorilla Tactics theme. Yeah, I really like their song. I really like their song. It's very, it, very... It, it pumps you up. And unfortunately, it, that is inherently good. disappointing. It's not, it's not, that's the thing, the old theme song really sets you up better because it's a sort of lo-fi, which is a perfect description of this match. It's a very lo-fi title match. Um, and then we had Osprey versus Dragon Lee in Match of the Night. I don't think I'm stretching by saying that. No, this match was absolutely ridiculous. It was a little bit, it was different to the Shingo match um, yeah, in the, the sh- way that these two competitors set up because they are both 
juniors, they're proper juniors, whereas Shingo obviously is a heavyweight masquerading as a junior. Junior. We had that <laughs> one suicide dive spot, which was just absolutely it's, fucking it's insane. The, um, the Hurricane Rana follow-through. Osprey does that a bit too much now. But here it wasn't overused yet. So when he did that with um, um, to be outside, I fucking popped. Yeah. Uh, just Dragon, Dragon Lee's never looked so good. It was here that basically, I mean, his, he'd had a good best of Super Juniors, don't get me wrong, um, but he was always overshadowed by people in his block. Um, and Shingo. yeah, even Show, I think, overshadowed him at times. Yeah. Um, but here, it made you realize just how much of an asset Dragon Lee is to the junior division. The man is a fucking wrestling genius. He's brilliant in ring. Yeah, absolutely. He's probably my favorite luchador going. Yeah, by a mile, by a mile. Um, um, Osprey obviously won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship and again would hold it until the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom shows. Anyway, so... Um, Naito and Ibushi in a match, but Dave Meltzer refused to rate because he thought it would be irresponsible to do so. And like halfway agree, I'm glad they're not fighting now. Um, yeah. This feud based on them trying to break each other's neck, and like, it's only so much I can watch two of my favorite wrestlers almost die, man. Unfortunately, it's a match, a good match, and leading up to that spot, it was an absolutely fantastic match. But when the main spot that everyone is talking about is that botched German suplex on the ring apron that, you know, when it's paused and you see the angle that Ibushi is at, how the man didn't break his neck or suffer severe even... damage is unbelievable. watching it live. You look at that and then look at the Hiromu one that did result in a broken neck, and I've got no idea. I've got no idea how they're different, honestly. You must borrow um, Iwatani's powers to not break your neck. Yeah, must be. Must be. Um, and then um, Okada versus Jericho, which is always, for me, seems to be completely overrated by people or completely underrated by people. I think it was a good title. I think it was like... It was, it was fine. Like, I say fine, that, that does kind of underrate it. It was a really solid title defense. But it's the first time I've ever seen a New Japan crowd boo on the way out. <laughs> like, I've never seen Dominion empty so quickly. It was anticlimactic. Yes, it was. Um, that's, really that's was. the issue. Um, that, that ending, and then, like, the fact that no one got a... And the nice thing, I think Jericho at this point in New Japan is getting a bit fucking self-indulgent. I don't think it's that. I just think that Naito and Omega had better chemistry. I don't think the wrestling style of Brawler Jericho fit with the wrestling style of Okada. And it's weird because it should have done because Okada is such a good champion fighting from underneath. But it just it didn't seem to mesh here and it was anticlimactic in the way it ended. And yeah. yeah. He's very clearly saving himself because um, Devil or Nothing was not far before after this was it he had May 26th and this was on June the 9th right so in that case he was full gear he'd be gearing up for which I get is in team ones be probably saving himself just a little bit yeah um, even so it's it is disappointing that being said um very quick on kids in the road the thing with the 
Zack Sabre Jr. Yoshihashi match was if Yoshihashi wins, he gets in the G1 because the G1 was announced. Um, great lineup for the G1. The best lineup ever, do you think? I can possibly, it's all subjective, but in terms of uh, when I've been watching, there was no obvious fall guys in, a, in any block. Is there anyone then? Okay, let's try a different question. Is there anyone that was announced in these blocks? that you thought could be replaced by people that weren't included? Initially, I thought Archer should be replaced, but he proved me wrong, so... No, that's a fair statement. Is there anyone that wasn't included that you think should have been? Suzuki. Um, It's the main one. Like, I always thought Makabe would always be in there on name value alone. But that never happened. Um, really, in terms of like who deserved to be, and I think everyone got in there. So I just think it's really you look back to Dash and the build up that we gave to Yoshihashi, and to then not even make the G one blocks. That's got to be hugely, hugely disappointing. Yeah, for him. But very quick before we go into the G one, the Aussie. Super shows. The Super Showdown shows. Now, I didn't watch these, so I'm afraid you're going to have to take the lead on this. There's literally nothing worth talking about apart from the Robbie Eagles versus Osprey match, which was great. And this is where he fully transitions from Bully Club into Chaos, am I right? Yeah, yeah. He, this is, he does it this weekend, because of course he did it pops for Aussie crowd. Of and, course. And, you know, and I'm just, I'm sort of, I'm happy because it gave more depth to the junior tag, tag scene, but also... This is why didn't we have this in the Japan world? And again, that's not the only thing that doesn't go on New Japan world and is well instantly sorry, and it's something that remains very disappointing. Yeah, but anyway, G one. Um, we'll do this sort of in the same fashion we did Super Juniors, because otherwise we'd be here all fucking day. Um, so block A, Rob, MVPs. Um, so. In block A, I I've already gone on record and said I prefer block B, um, but block, block A was B still was good. I think MVP. You've got to look at Will Osprey. His first G one had sensational matches with the like of Tanahashi, with the like of Okada, Sonata. Absolutely uh, great matches. Archer, yeah, absolutely. On the opening night in Dallas on July sixth, um. I think that Sonata had an absolutely amazing tournament again. Again, no real bad match. Um, even mind you, to pull an okay match out um, Bad Luck Farley. Lance Archer, a real, real breakout. You know, his G, I know it's not his first G1, but the man put on great match after great match after great match, constantly reinventing his offense and showing everyone that he's not just a tag team wrestler. Um... You know, there wasn't, a, aside from Farley, there was no bad person in this block. And I think if I was pushed, I'd say Osprey. Um, yeah, a lot of people in this block ended up on eight. Like, Okada and Ibushi ran away with it with basically everyone else but Archer and eight. So. What about you? I, I enjoyed I, I enjoyed Kenta mostly because it annoyed fan, he annoyed fans, and I kind of like that. Um, this will play into the G1 finals, which we'll get on to in a second. Um, again, Osprey, just he's so good. Um, in term, 
Like there were some really there were some really good matches in here where I felt people were holding back. If that makes sense, for example, Okada versus Ibushi. I think we gave that a nine or a ten, but I felt they were holding something back for um, the eventual Wrestle Kingdom match, which makes sense. It does make sense. Um, but yeah, I'm, I agree with you. Block is so much more better, which is weird because in terms of star power, it's sort of less stacked. But it is. What, it is. But what, you what, look at the competitors in that block it was very much a hard hitting block you've got Ishii you've got Shingo you've got uh, Taichi in that block as well Goto. Moxley Goto yeah, yeah um, absolutely sorry I couldn't hear what you said yeah. this is probably my favourite G1 with Yano Yano who after the two opening nights had beaten both Jay White and Naito he was in the fucking lead Rob and I think that's somewhat beautiful. It is. And the idea of panic in some New Japan uh, fans that Naito versus, sorry, Yano might headline Wrestle Kingdom is just beautiful. I'm not going to lie. I would enjoy a Yano um, title match. Not necessarily IWGP, maybe never. But I want to see Yano in like an actual title match. It would be amazing. It would be it absolutely would, amazing. Like pe- people need to, like that's the thing, people seem to take Yano matches as a bad thing when in reality it's just different and in something like the G1 where you where as amazing as it is you are closing out with that little something different is really important um, the Taichi Ishii match in this block was amazing as was the Taichi fucking uh, can we disagree with Jay White is the MVP of this block other than Ishii um, yes 100% he is da bomb um, as the cool <laughs> kids say Um I will just say as well, though, that Ishii's not far behind. Similar to Osprey, he gave everyone outstanding matches. Um, His match with Shingo was incredible. Again, great chemistry with Taichi. um, Great match against Naito. Even his match against Yano was entertaining. And this is a man who has never smiled. I was watching... um... But, um, some of the G1 with my friend he came around to play Smash Bros and then I was like mate I really need to catch up with Japanese wrestling do you want to watch some with me and he was like yeah sure so he watched it and he loved Yano Yano's great yeah. and especially during World Tag League like I say you need that you need that breaking up yeah um, Juice had a really good tournament as well um, Cobb kind of disappointed me this is kind of where I realised Cobb is better in shorter matches yes no I agree um I think he disappointed a lot of people, which... I think what it was, we were expecting him to have the Elgin runs, and it's sort of like, Cobb's great. He's not on the level of Elgin. Elgin's on another level for big men. Yeah. Like, I understand Elgin's not there. I understand why New Japan doesn't really want anything to do with him. But, like, you can't just think you can replace him with another big man. You sort of need to find someone as good as Elgin, and I can't really think of a big man. Maybe Brian Cage. But he's in with impact, so that's not going to happen. But, you know. Brody King? Brody, he's not as good as Elgin, but probably a better overall worker than Cobb. That's when Cobb's more impressive than King, but, but King is just sort of better, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it, no, um, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. No, there's a ton of big men we could have called on. Um, but then again, Brody King doesn't really have the star power. But we, we actually said this during the review of the, in the um, tag final. Um, that we think Brody King would do well in the G1. Um, you know, what was a match was was really good that we haven't discussed yet is Naito and Shingo. Incredible. Incredible. 
incredible. And again, it's I said this about Cheese earlier, but it's the same with Naito here. Naito's so good, but nobody else. Um, he made Shingo look so good, but nobody was talking about Naito when he when this match was over. And this is a this is a G one that everyone was convinced that Naito was winning. Yeah, well, to be fair, I'm pretty sure I did predict Ibushi. I predicted Naito. Um, I thought it was built for Naito. And obviously, if we go into the block finals now, um, and Jay White taking out Naito in the block B final. That was great, though. It was a great match. It was a sensational match, in fact. It was um, like last year when ZSJ took out Naito. It's just I love when a good heel takes out Naito. Exactly. The heel heat that garnered Jay White heading into the final against Ibushi. And Everyone, saw... every single person in Sumo Hall wanted... It wasn't Sumo Hall. It wasn't Sumo it was... Hall. Budokan. Um, yeah, but... Everyone in Budokan wanted Ibushi to kick the head off Jay White. And the... Which, by the way, Ibushi and Jay White G1 finals. Ah. One of the matches of the year. One of the matches oh, of the year, hands I, down. I, I, like I watched, I I watched it live and I was blown away by it. But you didn't watch it live, so I had to wait for you to watch it. And then you just messaged me going, um, "So, <laughs> what did you give this match?" And I was like, 10. And he's like, "Oh, thank God." I didn't want to look like a I, smark. This is a very, very, very different kind of G1 final when we've had. Like when you think we had a Bushi, like for the last three years, he's either had been a mega. Uh, Abushi in the final, so it's always been very uh, explosive. Yeah, and there's always been, you know, those enormous spots, whereas here, it was very much a slow a build a, into a crescendo. It was a lot like the um, Japanese Carnival main event in that respect. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Between uh, Miyahara and uh, Jake Lee, yeah, I suppose so. Um, it was a great match, a really, really good match, one that was thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable, one of the matches of the year alongside the best of the Super Juniors tournament final. Um, and again, cemented Jay White as having an absolutely sensational year match quality-wise, something that is completely different to everything we expect. As you said, if you compare it to the G1 Climax final uh, 28, something completely different. And it's what he was crying out for, in my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because you're not going to top Omega Naito in terms of how explosive it's going to be. You're not going to top um, Tanahashi winning in terms of how emotional it's going to be. So, like, you need to do something different. And this was the perfect something different. This was so, the perfect something different. Yeah, absolutely. I hope there's a perfect something different next year, too. Variety is the spice of life, Rob. We should. And what I'm saying, Rob, is that we should have Lance Archer versus Toriano in the in um, G1 finals next year. David Finley winning the G130. You heard it here first. Anyway, um, then we went over to England, over to our home stretch. We were going to go to this, Rob, but we didn't. <laughs> yes, uh, that's pretty much a summary of what happened. We did talk about it briefly, and then we just didn't end up going. Um, but yeah, Royal Quest, 31st of August from the Copper Box Arena in London. Um, first thing to say is that obviously this was yet another thing that didn't stream live on New Japan World. It was, of course, on Fight TV. Li- and the- literally interest. It killed a massive amount of interest because the sound quality was awful. You got lucky. You got. Uh, you won a code. I did win a code. It's the first thing I've ever won ever, and I won a code to watch it for free. And I turned it off after the first two matches because I could not deal with the sound quality. It was so so 
distorted. Uh, luckily, obviously, a couple of days later, New Japan World uploaded it and tried to sort from their end a load of the audio issues. Um, it was a shame, really. It really was. Um, I think that you had some really, really good matches here. I, I, we're not going to run through the entire of the card. There were three... And there's, and there's four at the top. Um, so there's G.O.D. versus Ozzy Open, which I just want to mention because I love Ozzy Open, and I hope when Matt Davis is better, they use them more. I think it's slightly disappointing that Mark... Well, not slightly disappointing. It's very disappointing that Mark Davis got injured because I think they were a shoe-in for World Tag League. They would have been great in World Tag League as well. Yeah. Um, They're properly amazing. And uh, let's face it, just quickly, the dueling chance that that tag team match got between G.O.D. Aussie Open and just the two teams just standing there going, this is fucking weird. New, that's the thing, you have the New Japan smarts and the like Great Red smarts. Sort of. And to be fair, it was probably... Top three G.O.D. matches of the year, which unfortunately isn't saying a lot. What is the best G.O.D. match of the year? Um, I mean, they had a good World Tag League match with Yoshihashi Nishi in the tag final. Um, yeah, I was going to go uh, Wrestle Kingdom. I was going to say either Wrestle Kingdom or this one, probably. Yeah, this was a great match. Um, Kenta almost died, but also won the Never Open Weight Championship, so that's your board for almost dying, Kenta. We did um, miss but- that bit out about the G1 final, about how Kenta turned. Oh, fuck, we did. So, um, Kenta's in a match with Ishii. Um, Kenta turns on Ishii. Shibata comes down and, and attacks Kenta. Ken- Bullet Club get on top of Shibata. Suddenly, Kenta is the biggest heel in the world. And it is and- great. It is great. Um, you fucking marks who thought Shibata was coming back. Like, I'm not being funny. It, Shibata did, wasn't re- acting like Shibata. People sort of just worked themselves into thinking Shibata was coming back. For me, I've always believed that New Japan are a company that don't do anything for no reason. And but, that first, that first attack, that first attack, of Shibata on Kenta, you can get away with by just saying, look, he's angry. He was, you know, they were friends. The second one of Kenta attacking Shibata, which happens on one of the destruction shows. Yeah. That's not just, that's not there for no reason. That's the one, I think, that planted those seeds, not necessarily yeah. this one. Well, onto this one, you talk about Wrestling Kingdom, whenever we do that, um... Goto is Shibata's best friend, so obviously he's the right person to step up to defend Shibata. Oh yeah, and Goto is a big match player. He will have an absolutely amazing match at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, like look at his match where well we'll go into Van Second his match with Shingo on one of the destruction shows was spectacular. But anyway, um I'm starting to turn around and go like literally because Goto's not um suffocating a title, I'm fine with Goto right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, rest of World Quest, um, Tanahashi and ZSJ had a Tanahashi-ZSJ match. Tanahashi finally beat ZSJ, but it seems like that never happens. It does but, never um, happen. It was a very surprise victory for ZSJ to lose in his hometown. They or home country. Pop. They did want to pop. And like to be fair, people there live have probably seen ZSJ live a ton. Um, whereas this might be their first time seeing Tana. So. And Tanahashi would go on to defend it um, and is still champion to this day, of course. Oh, no, wait, that's completely wrong. Yeah. Um, so, Okada and Suzuki. Um, was an Okada and Suzuki match. Really fun. Um, second best match of the weekend. No, third, because TakeOver was just spectacular. Enormous but, yeah. pop for Suzuki. 
enormous. <laughs> I love British wrestling fans and Suzuki. But the only time, like the, um, I can I can never say it properly. Has no Nina. Can't say Nina Ray. Yeah, there we go. Um, the only time they have people haven't sang along with that is at what culture shows, and I hate it. <laughs> the man is <sighs> a god. Yeah, the fact that he didn't get into the G one, I assume this was to placate the fact that he didn't get into the G one. It was an absolutely great match. It lasted just the right amount of time. This is what that Jericho match should have been at Dominion with Suzuki dominating or Jericho dominating at Dominion and Okada fighting back and just managing to find that little bit more to be the champion. It was disappointing that Suzuki didn't win the championship. I feel like that would have got the most ridiculous pop in the world. But obviously, as we head towards Wrestle Kingdom, they were never going to take the belt off Okada. Really wanted it to happen. Imagine the noise. Imagine the noise if he'd have done it. Exactly. Um... Uh so we continue like New Japan's excursion outside of um, outside of Japan right now with the Super J Cup, which was a lot of fun. This is probably more probably more fun than Best of Super Juniors, only because it's more consumable. Yeah, shorter shows. Um, what is your opinion though on the empty seats? It was you were never going to sell out that pyramid with. You can barely sell out the pyramid with the Golden Lovers headlining. Why do you think you could do it with um, Super Junior from No Heavyweights on the Cat? And <laughs> I think as well, it's a building with yellow seats. So, so like, no, like on on the Jumbo G One, um, there was um, there were in the Staples Center, and there's a lot of empty seats. But that's somehow that's more figurable. The Staples Center is massive. Whereas here, it's sort of like, you've sold this out before. It, this isn't a good look. And like, I'm not being funny. Again, you never, it was great matches all around. Um, like Osprey and ELP and also the final of ELP and Dragon Lee. But like, you barely have any heavy of your big draws on the card. Like the only real big draw you have on the card is Nighter and Light and possibly Liger, but he's not really a draw more than he's like a great thing to have on the card. So like, I don't know. Oh, we also have Jay White, but like in America, he's not a draw yet. So I don't know what we're expecting here. Like the audience, two, two, two and a half thousand people, that place holds like 9,000 people. So. And I think that's where the New Japan of America has been quite clever in saying, right, we're, we're not even going to try no, venues exactly. like that. Um, but anyway, um, what was your favorite match for Jacob? Um, I will be perfectly honest. I have not seen many matches of the Super J Cup. I have seen the final, and that is it. Okay, to be fair, the final is probably my favourite one, other than like Osprey Show, because like it's a perfect mix of what I want. And also, um, what was it? All oh, right, um, Osprey and Amazing Red. I was just going to ask how that match was because obviously we had the return of Amazing Red. Really, like surprisingly good. The crowd were popping hard for it. So good. Um, it's good that we weren't like, who the fuck is this guy? Cause, and, but then again, he's a fucking indie darling, so of course, in, a, in front of a Defy crowd, so of course they knew who he was. Anyway, um, we then got to, onto Destruction um, shows. Ah, uh, shows? Shows. Yeah. Um, um, shows. Um, shows. The Destruction <laughs> tour was really, it suffered from being a Destruction tour, really. We had three shows. <laughs> The fifteenth on the what the destruction door. Yeah, um, some good. Cup was fun. Yeah, it it was. I mean, 
the three dates we had were the 15th in Beppu, the 16th in Kagoshima, and the 22nd in Kobe. Again, and in Hiroshima is no longer... The worst it. title. The worst like, title. Like, every time I see that, I get very uncomfortable. I can only imagine what Americans feel. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It, ju- I don't understand who is in charge of publicity for that show, but just a little bit of brain power, surely. Um, anyway. Apart from the Young Lion Cup, really, there's very, very little to talk no. about apart from the two main events for each <laughs> night. Um, the main shows of the night. So we had Bullet Club with Tamatonga and Tangaloa beating Ishii and Yoshiashi. It was fine. Um, ZSJ versus Tanahashi again. They had a ZSJ versus Tanahashi match. Stop! Stop this! <laughs> For the love of God, it does need to I'm stop. St- it does need to stop. stop. Thankfully, it does. Um, for now. Um, then in um, Kag- ah, Kagoshima, I'm too hungover for this shit. Um, we have but we have um Phantasmo and Ishimori taking on um the Birds of Prey, and you know what? Great, this is great. I know you're not massive on it. I love it. <sighs> I'm not not massive on it. I think it's a good match. I think it's, you know, a very, very good IWGP Junior Heavyweight tag match. My issue is, is that there were spots in this match, mainly from Robbie Eagles, I'll be perfectly honest, where things were flippy for flippy's sake, and that's the issue I have. I guess, but also, like, that's kind of where you get in Junior Tag. So. I understand that, but this was excessive. And I've never thought that about a junior tag match before. And bear in mind, I've seen matches with the Young Bucks. Yeah, that's... That is a fair criticism. I can't deny that, but... Yeah. Um, but also, Benabushi was cancer, which I loved. Yeah. Um, again, at no point was it ever going to be the case that um, Ibushi was dropping the suitcase, the suitcase, the briefcase, to... Um, to Kenta, but you know it didn't take away from it. A little bit of bollocks from Bullet Club, but not overbearingly. Um, they had really good chemistry, Bushi and Kenta. Another really, really good match, and another to put in Kota Bushi's back catalogue of amazing matches he's had in 2019. Yeah. Um. So then we moved on to Kobe and Gato versus Shingo. Lovely. Yeah. It was a G1 match, basically. Yeah, and. Would have stood out in the G1, just great stuff. Um, but Jay White versus Naito, which you love. I'm not massive on I prefer the G1 match. Their G1 match was better. I just, I'm, I think this should have happened earlier, but we're full on the train now of the destruction of Naito. And unfortunately, you know, we're in September and I feel like this could have done with a little bit more build. Um, but we're, you know, it's almost the destruction of the Tranquilo character. Of Naito and Jay White basically going, come on then, let's smile, let's and Jay White really taking apart Naito, really destroying Naito and his personality and everything he stands for before then taking the belt off him as well. And I think that's a really good storyline. Would, he would then obviously go on to lose uh, a tag match uh, to uh, Taiji, and Taiji would absolutely eviscerate. Naito, and that will be the the start of the Naito comeback. Then, and I just I feel my only issue with this is is that I feel that this should have taken place before and given a little bit more build before he then well, instantly gets his heat back. You can't really do it in G one. People will get lost in the shuffle. 
but then you can't all the shows leading up to this were either in britain or in america i'm not quite sure they had a block final match why not do it there what I mean, if it was in the middle of the G1, I'd understand that, you know, 3rd of August show or whatever. But this was the G1 final. You know, you can have a little bit of story there. All eyes are on that show. I guess. I don't know. I think this all just proves that Gato doesn't book a year and that's I'm not going to lie. Well, you know, that's I've it's a minor criticism. More than I have this year. But anyway, um, some people say Gator is the king of booking and he also books king of pro wrestling so, uh... <gasps> look at your amazing segues Chris look at your amazing segues this was disrupted then king of pro wrestling on the 14th of October from Sumo Hall disrupted obviously by the huge um, tsunami that hit Japan um, which took out um, Moxley Moxley couldn't appear on the show and was thus stripped of the United States Championship and ZSJ couldn't get into Japan either because of the weather, so he was replaced on the card. Now, this was slightly disappointing because it we thought we were going to get the Juice versus John Moxley, the blow-off to that feud. However, Chris, what did we get instead? Like Mini Undertaker. It's great. But let's go through... Uh, let's start with... Um, you talk about the destruction of Night already. I'm somewhat disappointed. Like, if you want more in depth, we've done that review. Um, Suzuki versus Liger, which has been bubbling all year, and I love this. Yeah, Battle Liger. Battle Liger. I like how we sort of went through all the moods of Liger. Yeah, I love that. It was great. And um, we had Keisha and Liger doing destruction shows. And did you want this at Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, but also I don't think you could get much. I don't, I don't see them getting another three months out of it. So. No, this feud had been bubbling for the vast majority of this year. It's been going since like before Dominion, so like eventually you need to have your blow. And to be fair, this was really good. Um, I think I prefer this as Liger's like, retirement match as opposed to what we're getting. But Oh, well. Um, then we have um, Osprey and Phantasma in probably their best match. It was great. Um Phantasmo starting off going, okay, I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to respect what we've lost during the tsunami. And then that just turns over. <laughs> yeah, it was It's probably Phantasmo's best singles match in New Japan. No, the Dragon Lee match is better just because of the um, licking the blood and slapping as well. <laughs> I, I don't think that... Okay, each to his own. <laughs> um, it was Six Man, who cares? Um, really weirdly placed on the card was about Six Man. But um, Lance Archer versus Juice Robinson, which was, again, a fun um, kind of Americanized match. And then we had set up um, Finley for a shot, so I'm, I'm cool with this. Ibushi versus Eagle, which Evil, which I think was fine. I don't think Evil needed to kick out the Kamigoi either. No, and that's what I mean. We seem to go through phases of setting up Evil to, to do big things. And... <clears throat> You know, there's one man that's kicked out of the Kamigoye this year, and that was Lance Archer up to this point. And yeah. if you're going to build Evil up by kicking out of the Kamigoye, he needs to have a big program. And he is in a multi-man at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, so not great. Um, but then Okada vs. Sonata, which is a really, really good one, um, because earlier in the D1, Sonata won. Um, in the longest G1 match to go to decision, 
And then this one, probably my favorite from a little story's um, perspective, because Sonata, the like really cool um, stoic character, lost his kill, and that's why he lost the match. Like if he just stayed in the dragon sleeper, he would have won. But he's like, I'm getting restless. I'm gonna hit a moon cell. Fucks him. Rainmaker. Boom. Yeah, and not only that. It's the fact that post-match, you've got that iconic moment where Sonata begins crying. Sonata, the captain of cool, the cold skull, you know, no emotion showed. And he knows he fucked it, and he knows that he's had four opportunities now. Well, three opportunities at the title and one in the G1. And he can't get the job done when it's for the title. And the mirroring that they have done between this feud and the Okada and Tanahashi feud from, you know, years back is sensational. And I think that Sonata could be that person. Do I think Sonata is that person to take the title next year? No. I think he needs building again now that he's lost again. I think we need to keep away from Okada and Sonata for a while. Um, But that was... Amazing. Quick point. That one Tokyo Sports match of the year. Do you agree? Tokyo Sports are so full of bollocks. Do you agree? No. But this is a uh, publication that has given Tatsuya Naito Technician of the Year. Yes, that was last year, wasn't it? Which is just just ridiculous. But there we are. Um, so when we had the Junior Tag League, I didn't watch any of the Junior Tag League, did you? I watched none of the Junior Tag League, now. Okay, so on to um, Power Struggle, which you think is King of Pro- better than King of Pro Wrestling? I think you're wrong. Um, so, like, first main match, Naito versus Taichi. You know what I loved about this match? There was a Northern Lights bomb, and I did not expect there to be a Northern Lights bomb. Um, yeah, I, I do think that Power Struggle was a better card, um just because I feel like there was more build. I don't feel like there was any real surprises at King of Pro Wrestling. I don't feel like there was any kind of, I don't know, any... I mean, look at the card. Okada was always beating Sonata. Ibushi was always beating Evil. Osprey was always beating Phantasmo. But you say, say here, Osprey was always beating Ibushi. Jay White was always beating Gala. But it was accented by the surprises. Okay, well... Okay, so Rapungi 3K beat um, Despy and Kanamaru in a match where Show was great at selling. Show was definitely the MVP about the same time we've seen this match so much. We have, um, we have. I think it's they've resisted the urge to do that fucking triple threat at Wrestle Kingdom, so thank God for that. Very, I'm very proud of them. Um, um, in both divisions. Yeah, I'm so proud of them. It has led to a few random multi-hands on the Wrestle Kingdom. We'll get there, we'll get there. Um, so... Ken and Ishii had the match where you were probably going to have at Royal Quest before Kendra almost died, and it was great. Yeah, it was. Really, really good match. Really enjoyable. Um, Osprey and Bushi had a match that Rob <coughs> jizz all over. I think it's just an Osprey-Bushi, um, Osprey-Bushi match, um, which was then heightened by the fact that Hiromi came back. Yeah. And then just start taking bumps, and I was like, stop it. <laughs> the man is insane, match. and I like stop. the fact that he's willing Please to go. show that he's not going to change his style. Yeah, but did he have to throw himself into the barricade? He's Hiromu. He's fucking mental. Of course he's got to do that. Again, if we were allies, I'm pretty sure I'd end up being Hiromu in the Podmania hierarchy. <laughs> Garth, would be, Garth would be Shingo. Yes, yeah, Garth would be Shingo. 100%. Garth is just standing there, all stoic. Um, 
Yeah, Rob would be Bushi. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Jay White versus Hiroki Goto. It's sort of helped create the biggest meme in Podmania right now. Yes, the no Goto! <laughs> Which happened that it was that King of Pro Wrestling that happened. Yes, I think it's so. Still, it's still the best It's thing. still brilliant. <laughs> Do you want a shot of this? No Goto! Incredible. Incredible. Oh. Um, it was a it was a Jay White Goto match. It was a good match. It's better than um, Hinikuni. Not as good as um, G One. No, um, but it does prove that Goto is you know slowly but surely becoming a little bit more consistent and hopefully a little bit more of a factor next year where he's not just going to suffocate the never open weight championship, which is what we talked about before. Yeah, as long as, honestly, I'm fine with I'm fine with anyone. That's my problem with Okada right now as well. They're suffocating a title scene and just some of them. Yeah. Um, so after that, we had the showdowns, which apparently Sam J, um, Sam J was a good show, um, and LA never got filmed properly. So it has recently gone up on World. Has it? It has. Um, but nothing really big happened, did it? No, no multi mans, nothing more. Yeah, um, but on Saturday, apparently Rob will recommend, uh, if I remember rightly, the Archer-Finley match. The Archer-Finley match Fantasma. was great, and the show versus Phantasma match are both great. Okay, awesome. Um, we're in the home stretch now, man. Um, in LA, yeah, I'll multi-man see what cares. And then Tag League, Rob. Tag League for the 16th of November to December 8th. Um New Japan listened to none of their fans and rather than making less teams in two blocks, we then had more teams in one block. So 120 matches between 16th of November and December 8th. Um, and you watched the I watched the first three days in full and then I watched, I dipped in and out um, because obviously the rest weren't filmed. They were just uploaded in bits. Um, a couple of things to note. Zach and Taichi were easily the best team in the tournament and were fantastic. Uh, Finley and Juice, the eventual winners, were brilliant. And I think Finley will get to the final in a minute, but Finley and Juice, and Finley especially, was the star of the show. I think he's come back a reinvigorated man, which in a way makes me really sad that they haven't been able to do the same with Yoshihashi. You know, he came back from this massive injury and, they've, you know, he sort of fitted out. Whereas Dave Finley's come back, he's riding the wave and he's, he's showing what he can do. Um, like I say, no block final. So coming into the final day, we had G.O.D., Evelyn Sonata and Juice and Finley as the potential winners. And we still had all three possibilities for the championship match at Wrestle Kingdom. Thank God, but Ishii and Yoshihashi managed to beat the Gorillas of Destiny, eliminating them again which means that they have still never won the World Tag League despite being champions. And then Juice and Finley beat Evelyn Sonata in what was easily the match of the tournament, aside from the Suzuki Goon match, which was incredible. Finley again getting the pinfall over Evil uh, with the acid drop. A really, really, really good match. Highly recommend you go and watch it. Um, really good feel-good factor at the end where you got the face locker room coming down celebrating with Finley and Juice. And yeah, it was it was an interesting an interesting show. As well as that, on the final night we had Jericho reaffirming his challenge for Tanahashi on the fifth of January, and we had Moxley returning to challenge Archer for his United States Championship in a Texas Death Match. Um, both of which have been confirmed. So overall, the final day was a good show, but yeah, there was some. Good God, at times it was arduous. Okay. Um, and so, 
Overall, Rob, we'll try and fly through this la- these last two points, and most of them busting on a piss. Um, first of all, um, New Japan year overall, how do you feel about the year? There's been some certain highs. There's been some match quality-wise has been amazing. The tournaments, for the most part, um, the Tag League aside, have been absolutely must-watch. The best of Super Juniors and the G1 Climax have been absolutely phenomenal, probably the best there has ever been. Um, Jay White has been incredible, a real, real, real diamond that they've got there. Ibushi, Osprey have all had fantastic matches as well, really worth noting. A um, couple of negatives: the tag division again is just an absolute joke. Um, they don't, they haven't established any more teams. And I'll go back to New Beginning and Sapporo where they had the chance to put the titles on Zach and Suzuki and reaffirm another team, but they haven't. And the fact that they defaulted back to Okada, as amazing as Okada is, and I will never ever badmouth Okada because he's just that good. They had the opportunity to do something better with JY and they didn't so that's basically my year interview Over, overwhelmingly good but with some negatives I kind of agree everything to do with match policy I can't explain obviously still best matches in the world yes booking the booking if Gator's booking you in advance he's a bad booker if this is all on the fly then fine but like don't fucking tell me he books a year in advance if this is the shit he's booking yeah, you have a big issue with this. I don't. The issue for me, I don't have a real issue with it, but that's by the by. We've talked about two or three people, like GOD is suffocating the tag titles. Um, Naito suffocating the IC title. All the titles are currently being suffocated. And I get get that can all change, Patrick. As Kingdom, as it stands this year, so many title scenes, like with the exception of the Never title, and that's because no one's held it long enough for it to suffocate. I don't think you can say the IC title was suffocated this year. I mean, it's had three separate champions. I guess, but, like, it's always sort of defaulted back to Naito. Well, four if you count Jericho going into Wrestle Kingdom 13 as champion. Yeah, but, like, for the most part, like, Abushi had it for a while and it defaulted back to Naito, and suddenly now Jay White has it, which is kind of a bit interesting. Um, I don't know. I think it does, it does speak volumes to Rob, we have felt the need to look for outside um, sources for Japanese wrestling outside of New Japan. Overall, the year hasn't been as good as maybe 2018 or 2017, but well, 20 special. So it's been uh, it's been a placeholding year, maybe. Yeah, um, I, f- I feel like this is set up good things for next year if we can do. But like overall, like I've lost a tiny bit of faith in Gators booking this year. Mostly, literally, mo- just because we defaulted it back to Okada, that's been my biggest issue. Like Jay White could have had such an interesting year, and it's not like he wasn't drawing. We can't tell if he was drawing or not because he didn't have it long enough to know if gates were down. No, that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, like, so, but like, for example, what you went outside to find? What what did you find? When what did you enjoy? Um, when I've been outside of New Japan, I've enjoyed all Japan. <clears throat> I've enjoyed uh, matches with Kento Miyahara despite his inability to sell. Um, <laughs> I've enjoyed their tag league. Their tag league had some sens- a, the sensational uh, final. Dipping into um, New Japan tag league just shows me how bad New Japan, um, old Japan tag league, just shows me how bad New Japan tag league is. Yeah, New Japan. Well, it's you know it's openly not one of their big tournaments. Um, it's a chance for quite a lot of the big stars to take time off. Um, um, 
Yeah, you also enjoyed Noah, don't you? I've enjoyed bits of Noah 100%, yeah. Um, I've watched the Battle of Aesthetics show the best from the 2nd of November, which we've both watched now. Uh, that was really, really good. Um, it's literally it's a stupid show of a year. Yeah, show. it was a very good show. Um, I'm still not sure on Kiyomaya. I know you're big on Kiyomaya, but... I, I mean, like, here's the best drop hits in the world right now. It doesn't make him a champion. Um, he is a champion, get over it. Well... What do I think about the title? Yeah, the title the IWGP Heavyweight chart title ripoff. Yeah, no, that's my problem with Noah right now. They seem to be like copying off of New Japan Town work, like the N one. And that's thing I like the GAC. I really liked the design of the old GAC title, so I'm, I miss it. Yeah, it's it's potentially not great, but even so, you know, there's been quite a lot of buzz about Noah recently. Their shows on the. Th- Fourth and fifth, or have they got show on the fifth? I can't remember. No, they're fourth and fifth, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Stardom's been really good, just to get that in. Of course. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, what we'll do is we'll preview the Wrestle Kingdom 14 cards, which have been announced. We'll preview those a little bit closer to the time, and again, we'll look. We'll dip into the Road to Tokyo Dome shows as well. They've been announced. They're always really, really fun. A um, little bit disappointed that the main event of the 19th of December is Hiromu's return match. I feel like they could have saved that for Wrestle Kingdom, but that's by the by. We'll dip into that. So, yeah, all in all, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. You can check us out on Twitter at Young Lioncast, Facebook at the same address. You can check us out on the Podmania Podcasting Network. You can also check us out on podmania.co.uk where you've got the archives of all our episodes as well as a lot of interesting features and blog articles, including a full preview of Wrestle Kingdom 14, which will be up very, very shortly. Chris, where can they find you on Twitter? (laughs) (laughs) They can find me at RealRobGoodwin. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.